Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Sam Moores. Uh, I do car stuff. Now, at the moment, I have a podcast, actually, where I interview people once a week, pretty much, about cars, racing, manufacturers, a wide variety of people. But yeah, um, that's kind of what I do at the moment. I'm also a photographer. Don't do so much photography at the moment. Used to do quite a lot. Um, I do some social media stuff. Do a bit of racing. Have some nice cars. Yeah, I don't know. That's about it, really. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. I think Richard Porter was our longest intro to date. With he, where he gave his overview of his career, but I think you might have just beaten him. Yeah, I, that, like that. I, I think I gave you none of the information you needed in a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, dear listener, and welcome to this week's Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Marker, and as you've just heard, I'm joined this week by somebody else that does a weekly podcast yes. around the world of cars uh, that talks to different personalities and celebrities and automotive people each week. So this this is quite a refreshing change for me, not only because I'm talking to somebody that knows very much how my working world works but we've also known each other for quite a few years now haven't we in fact i'm trying to think now 2012 2012 2013 yeah yeah 10 years yeah hooray 10 years wow uh yes sam moores now i have purposefully usually before i record a podcast uh or say the day before i get together a collection of notes and i come up with a load of questions and some talking topics that i think we'll definitely get to at some stage uh, i've done none of that this week and i did that Cheers. on purpose um, <laughs> simply because i know that we will have a conversation that will probably cover everything anyway 
Um, okay. And, you know, if we miss anything, then the listener, the dear listener will, will let us know and we can just do another one. Um, but uh, I'm looking yeah. around my office for inspiration for, clues. for things to There's a lot of clues about. in here. I feel like if, it, do you know that show, Through the Keyhole? No. Come on. Through the Keyhole. And when, so we're the same age, aren't we? I think to the year. 87? 87. Yeah. So we, as, as children, I think it was on a Sunday, it was presented by Lloyd Grossman. I don't remember this. And he'd go into a celebrity's house with a panel back oh, in the okay. studio and he'd look around the house and he'd look at clues and he'd be like, oh, here we're in the kitchen and there's loads of pots and pans. And everyone would go, oh, maybe it's a chef. And the audience would clap. <laughs> anyway, it's now been recreated with uh, Keith Lemon, um, who's now decided that's his actual name instead of Lee Francis. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I feel like if, if there was an episode of Through the Keyhole and we were both a lot more famous than we are, then people would come in here and go, I'm seeing a lot of camera lenses, a lot of camera lenses. Mm. Uh, Baby's photographer, audience claps. Uh, I'm seeing models of cars, pictures of cars, books about cars, magazines about cars, (laughs) um, uh, podcast recording equipment. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think all the clues would be there. It it is good. I'm glad I've not taken any notes because I can just use this room to, to get visual clues. There's all sorts of little nuggets hidden away in a very messy desk and bits of whatever yeah absolutely now in this conversation i have no doubt that we will probably jump into uh, a fairly big chapter which will be a certain drive that we shared together Mm. back in 2016 um as my poor dear listeners will know all too well i feel a bit like the granddad from only fours and horses when i talk about gumball because it's like (laughs) during the war when i ran when i was at gumball when i first did gumball yeah yeah, there's a lot of that and we can i I can just vision people all all over the world going oh god gumball stories again but we did do gumball together as entrance thanks to uh, a very good friend of ours um we did it as staff as well well we did it as staff i mean god knows we did it as staff i yeah Uh, so for for anyone that doesn't know perhaps this is your first time listening I used to be head of production for the Gumball Rally. So 2012 to 2015, I was essentially the person that had to deal with all of the logistics, the operations, the crew. Um, There was involvement in hotel bookings. There was a lot of involvement in road closures for the Gumball Rally all over the world. And for the people that sat there, as a lot of my friends did at the time, who said, did you actually get to go on the rally? Yes, I did. And it was not a holiday. It was not an enjoyable experience. And it's quite nice that we've got, we're able to share the fact that for the, the crew side, because you came on as a photographer, didn't you? That was my first experience, yeah. Um, and it's, it's not a relaxing week, is it? Uh, it's not a relaxing week for anyone. Like, if, you're, if you've paid the money, or if you are crew, notice I didn't say getting paid, because that doesn't necessarily <laughs> equate to the same. Some people get paid, but mm. lots of people are volunteers, which, fair enough, you, you get to do some cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where we were going with that. But yeah, it's not relaxing in the slightest. It's absolute carnage. My first time was... My first time? No, first time on Gumball was 2012, 2013, across the... 2012 States. was the American, yeah. That's, so that that's was my first one. Before I started. Okay. And that, they were like, it was through someone I actually ended up, was at school with, was working for Gumball. Um, and she was like, we only get old men as photographers. Do you want to, do you want to come as a photographer? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, cool. Um, I've taken some pictures of cars before. And we did coast to coast. I think it was probably, it was New York to LA. Something like that. Um, and I learned a lot in that time. A lot about how things 
were done and run and the carnage. So you, you'd turn up somewhere and you wouldn't have... Yeah, John hadn't come in, so you, you'd turn up there and there wouldn't be a bed. And you're like, oh, but I've got to go and take photos till midnight and then I've got to sleep for three hours and then I've got to go somewhere else. It's quite nice to be able to yeah. have a bed. That would be a luxury. Um, but no, that was quite fun. That was actually where I, I met... Mr. JWW, James mm-hmm. Walker. Yeah. He was crew yeah. on that rally, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> and saw a lot of America, saw a lot of Central America, which felt very, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. But it was the start of, I think, a real photography education for me. Because mm. I've done a, a few rallies, quite a few rallies now. Um, a lot of them as a photographer for Gumball and then a bit as a photographer for a team. And... The bit I've loved about all of it, I know this is correlated, but it's been a bit of my journey, mm. is there's always been some really sick photographers on a rally. And because Max likes eclectic, different stuff, yeah, he's always pulled in people from slightly different spaces. So it's not necessarily been like an automotive photographer. There might have been someone that's like really good at like R&B photography or something. Mm. And I, as a, however old I was then, 20 something, what was it 10 years ago 23 23 yeah. 23 um <laughs> was just like running around like a headless chicken hadn't got a clue yeah. and then with some like really seriously good photographers and um you'd be in the same everyone has the excuse they're like well if i was there you know i could take a great photo or like mm-hmm. i didn't have the opportunity that that photographer had or whatever this one you literally are in the same place pretty much with the same chance as all the other six photographers that are there and each day, and this is sort of followed on into other trips I've done and stuff, that you get at the end of the day, you see what people have done. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, they're all really good. <laughs> and it, I don't know how they... D- I saw them take that photo, but I didn't see that photo. And at um, this time, Instagram was a thing, wasn't it? At that point. Yeah, it was still so. fairly yeah, new. Yeah, yeah. I think everything was a square. There were no videos. Mm. Everything was a square. So I guess, was that your first... Was that where you were seeing these pictures first, like the end of each day, seeing photos yeah, I getting think uploaded? Instagram, and at the time I was trying to push, I, I think I had access to the Gumball Facebook page at the time. Right. Because it was like, and then I could post stuff. And I was uh, pushing, nice. <laughs> I was pushing the traffic and eventually got stamped down to you. There used to be a website called Razzie, which would pay you for yeah. views. As a photographer, you don't get paid for views as a photographer. It's just not a thing. Um, but then there was this website. So I was pushing the Gumball page, which I don't know how many followers it had. It had quite a lot of followers mm. to like this slightly quirky website to view my gallery yeah, yeah. And, and then getting like 4p back. Um, but yeah, I think it was Instagram <laughs> square format. Right. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a very interesting time. You did not have much sleep. I learned later on that you can't party and do all of the no, above. No. You like really seriously die. Mm-hmm. Um, as James did, uh, didn't quite die, but he, he did, did end die, up in yeah. hospital. R.I.P. Um, James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's like fun times. Yeah, and then the year after was the first time you did it. So that was it. Yeah, 2013. I came in as uh, assistant to the events manager. Where was that? Copenhagen that, or somewhere? That was Copenhagen. Yeah. So I came in, um, taken on by Max and Lucy, who's Lucy's Max's sister. Um, and, uh, yeah, within, I think three months of starting at the role, I think Lucy did that. That was her last rally 2013 as, uh, as crew, uh, as a, a employee of Gumball. And then, um, yeah, Lucy left and Max kind of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, right, um, welcome to your new job. So, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a baptism of fire, but, um, yeah, it was good fun. And I think I'm still, 
I know there was a nice chap called Gareth who came after me in, in the role, but I still think I'm the longest serving employee for that particular role. Because uh, usually the typical thing was somebody would come along, be events coordinator, uh, would do it one year and then go, right, that was great. Never doing that again because it was absolute chaos and they'd leave. And I had that exact same emotion after the 2013 rally. I was like, nope. A uh, wonderful guy in our crew called Peter Griffiths. He, I think he calculated at the end of the week when we got to Monaco, he calculated that over the 13 days, so it's, the rally itself is six or seven days, but you've got a few days of build-up, a few days yeah. of break at the end. Uh, and I think Peter calculated that over the 13 days, I'd slept for four hours, <laughs> which isn't possible. Like the human body should not do that. So I was a very broken man afterwards. And I had that same emotion of, yeah, cool, glad I've done that, never doing it again. And funnily enough, it wasn't until I actually looked back at the media coverage, so photos from people like yourself, yeah. uh, video footage that the amazing video team at Ireland Figures, who used to do those amazing daily edits, um, yeah, that was just wizardry. Like he'd be really out there sick. filming in the day, and then somehow would edit overnight. So if I was getting no sleep, he was getting two times more no sleep. Yeah. And somehow these amazing videos are going out each day. And then I started reading new newspaper articles, magazine articles, looking at other coverage and footage on youtube and going okay that was kind of cool actually i'm gonna stick with this yeah uh, and that was the only reason i stuck around really so it's thanks to people like you and your photos that i was kind of like ah it's actually quite cool okay i'll stay it was i think it was that one was the first did we have a tony hawk demo uh one? where did it yes, end up we would have done it ended up in monaco so the there wouldn't have been yeah, a demo it there really. it was in uh, warsaw in poland yeah. so there's i'm just there as a sort of young guy with a camera running around just trying to take photos or whatever and we get into warsaw and there's like a ten thousand strong crowd and a massive vert ramp and like as a young person i loved skateboarding yeah, yeah. and tony hawk and tony hawk was on the rally and and then it's like oh yeah tony hawk's gonna do a demo with some of his cool mates yeah and oh because you're the gumball photographer you can stand on the vert ramp that's it so i like climb up to the vert ramp on like two hours sleep just like and then tony hawk's doing like tricks and i'm trying to i'm like i've never taken a picture of a skateboarder let's try and take a picture <laughs> and i managed to get a picture of him like i think he was doing I, I don't i don't even know the trick names but like a hand plant where he's got the one hand on the rail he's upside yeah, down so one hand yeah. on the rail upside yeah. down grabbing the board yeah and he had a whatever it was like a Quicksilver, it wouldn't have been Quicksilver, but like his branded, what's it, does he have a t-shirt brand or something? He does, but I can't remember for the life but it of was like it a, is, But it yeah. was like a quintessential Tony Hawk branded t-shirt. Yeah. And he's there with like other people up in the air, right in front of me, wide angle, and you can see, I'm standing on the top of this vert ramp, yeah. you can see the crowd, yeah. and then like he's just in front of me, like Tony Hawk, yeah. and that, I, I, I'm not even sure whether it was like completely in focus but it was enough that you could you could get away with it. it yeah and uh, that that photo stuck with me as like one of my favorite mm. kind of just like my favorite moments of like for a long time because mm. it was just so much cool stuff happening at yeah. once in like this crazy insane trip yeah and it is those moments isn't it because for me whilst it wouldn't have been taking photos or documenting anything in that way for me it was those kind of moments of standing back looking at this creation that you come up with this car display that in your head and on paper and on massive whiteboards in the gumball office you'd kind of mapped <laughs> out and drawn on the wall um suddenly coming to life and kind of stepping back and going oh wow hang on i've done this that's yeah. incredible the biggest one for me was 2014 where it was miami to ibiza yeah and we closed regent street that will always stick in my memory of i remember max and i and i hope max is listening to this because max hi max, hi, max. 
um, come on the podcast soon, please. Uh, Max, myself, um, Liz, and maybe a couple of others. Uh, Jim Jameson, who was our, our, our sponsorship partner. Um, we went to this huge uh, committee meeting because our aspiration was we were going to close Regent Street mm. for a gumball car display as part of one of the legs of the rally. And um, it had never been done before. We'd always had Covent Garden. I think that was always the... the yeah. We'd been palmed off with Covent Garden, which is cool. You know, it's cobbled streets and it looks amazing. But it's not Regent Street. And uh, we'd gone into this committee meeting. And I, I need to see if my memory still works here because we had London buses, London Underground, <laughs> Metropolitan Police, London Fire Brigade, Westminster City Council... The Crown Estate, because the Crown Estate actually owned Regent Street. It's not a, it's not a London Borough Street, uh, despite the fact that it's in Westminster. Uh, I, I think we had somebody there. We had a nice, a really, really good guy called Dean, who was responsible for all sorts of huge events like London Pride and uh, the Christmas light switch on. He he had experience closing down Regent, Regent Street and Oxford Street, doing all sorts of cool things. So he was there on our side as well. Um, and we were in this big boardroom table talking around the idea the concepts and there's max and i talking through how we want it to look and every single person around the table was shaking their head going no absolutely not and i will never forget the man from westminster council i i can't remember his name unfortunately uh but he said you know i i like the idea i like the concept but how many people do you think are going to turn up and max and i looked at each other and we went a million and he was like <laughs> There's just no way that even 100,000 people are going to come to an event just to look at cars. And Max and I are sat there like, <laughs> actually, <laughs> uh, you, you might be wrong. Uh, but yeah, we were sat there and we just heard everyone go, no, no, no. London buses said no because they'd have to divert 36 bus routes or yeah. something like that. It was insane. Uh, London Underground didn't like it because they thought that if we were going to turn up with a million people, it was going to add stress to the Underground Network. Everybody said no, with the exception of the Crown Estate. Right. There was a lady there from the Crown Estate who was like, actually, I quite like this idea. So we were like, right, you're brilliant. I remember walking out of that meeting with Dean, who was the, uh, the event specialist. And I said to Dean, do you think we've got a chance? Like, do, do you think there is a chance of this happening? And he said, you know what? I think we might get it through. If we can plan it, if we can show them that we care, if we can show them the event plan, if we can get everyone on side that we are trying our best to manage the numbers, I think we can do it. So then Dean and I stood on Regent Street. And you know how in the centre of Regent Street, there's that almost like a pavement that runs down the middle of it. So a mm. slightly raised curb in between the two live lanes. And you can stand on that. Loads of people stand there and take photos. But I was standing on that stretch with Dean and the two of us were there looking down the road and Max was there as well. And Max was saying, you know, I think we could have the flags draped down like they do when they have the NFL or the big events. Uh, we'd have the crowd barriers either side. We'd have a vert ramp over there with Tony Hawk doing his thing. We'd have a car, static car display over there. Um, we, we painted this picture in all of our minds and that was one evening out of yeah. 10 evenings. In a row. Or in a row. And on those 10 days, there'd be three massive events because, of course, you've got the start line in the morning, a lunchtime checkpoint somewhere else, and the evening function and car display in a completely different location. And this was just one of those events. And yet we were there going, this almost warrants a full-time job just organising this one evening. Um, but we, we, we weren't... We just weren't going to take no for an answer. They they said in the meeting, yeah, go back to Covent Garden. That'll be easy. That'll be safe. That'll be great. Uh, but we, we really wanted Regent Street. So there we were painting this picture. And then fast forward nine months later, I was stood on that same patch in the middle of that road, looking down at the flag straight down, at the crowd barriers either side, and the one million people that yeah. had turned up just to see a car display and going, 
Right, yeah, this is actually quite cool. Like, I've closed Regent Street. I know, you know it's me and a collection of an amazing team of people, but we've closed Regent Street. And I think that year we were one of six events that closed Regent Street. And it, it was just incredible. So, yeah, it's those moments. You take away from those moments. You go, okay, that, that, that's why I'm doing this. Whilst the rest of it is hellish at times. Yeah. And Max would admit that. He'd say that for a lot of the entrants. He'd say, this isn't a relaxing drive. This is a, a stressful challenge. Yeah. You know, partying all night, driving in the day. People being encouraged to, if, you, if you're partying hard at night, then that's why your co-driver's there. So your co-driver's not going to party. They're going to drive in the morning. Um, so, you know, the element of, of safety and sensibility. But, of course, even if you weren't drinking at the parties, you're there until, like, 2 or 3 in the morning. Then go yeah. to sleep. And then you're on the grid at 8 to drive out. And it's just like that after 10 days is... I think yeah. I think that year I missed the... Because that was, that was Edinburgh, London. Did Edinburgh London that was happen? That, 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 was, that was that day, yes. So we'd gone, uh, we'd landed the, in that morning. So we'd done Miami to Atlanta, Atlanta to New York, flown from New York to Glasgow Presswick, yeah. short drive to Edinburgh. Then the following day was, yeah, Edinburgh, Manchester, London. Yeah, that was, um, so that, that, that introduces uh, a character from this story ah. for the podcast. Ah. So... Uh, I'd landed at Presswick. Um, one of the guys from the team had decided that flying, uh, and, and and I think sort of understandably, flying from the States to the UK and then doing all of this driving, having done all the previous driving, sitting in economy was probably not what he wanted <laughs> to do. So a few of them have flown. I don't know whether it was a private plane. I th- feel like it might have been a private plane um, to somewhere else or had booked a you know, first class flight or something. Yeah. Um, so they needed to get their car from <laughs> Presswick to Edinburgh. Their car was a, it was the, it was a Shelby Daytona coupe, but it was like a, a replica, oh, but yeah, like yeah. pretty cool. One. And I managed, this was, he was part of my team. Yeah. That I was taking photos of team Gallag. If any of you guys are listening, cheers. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, I've managed to convince them that I was the person to drive this car. Of course. Obviously. Hi, guys. Just, I'm actually a racing driver, so I'll be fine. I was just, just elbowing everyone. I'm like, none of you guys, are, you've never driven in the UK. I'm going to drive this You've got thing. to throw in loads of weird terminology. Like, you guys know how to double declutch, though, right? Yeah, yeah, Because, yeah. I mean, this thing will just spit you out, right? Yeah, yeah you know yeah, that, yeah. right? And get them to go, oh, God. Have you have you ever reversed around a night security bend up a hill? Yeah? Manual gear? Yeah. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I drove that thing, which was pretty awesome like side exit pipes and whatever mm. um we got into edinburgh edinburgh's full of hills and the handbrake wasn't working brilliant or wasn't really working so you're there stopping on these like i don't know 30 degree incline roads <laughs> and then just like rolling backwards but got to the grid that was where we were going to be meeting james mm-hmm. yeah he was in his, it was either a 458 or his speciality. I feel like it was a 458 at the time. Mm. Um, and he was going to drive down from Edinburgh to London. I think I was going to jump in the car with him at that point. Um, and then he was, I can't remember what he was. He was sort of joining the rally from that, that point. Um, except he got a flat tyre. Ah. So he had no car. So I had no seat. The, um, <laughs> the people I was with, we had two support cars. And they had sent the media, the guy in charge... Rather than send them both to Edinburgh to, to film the Edinburgh stuff and whatever, he had sent the one of them to London. Ah. And the entire time, we'd had five people in, in a five-seater car filling five seats. And he decided to send a car 
with five seats with four people in it. Excellent. And I, and he, like, I, I, this was a, a breakdown moment for me of a real, <laughs> when you've not had much sleep oh, and gosh. then someone's like, no, your car's not here. Yeah. It's in London. You need to get to London. You're like, how am I meant to get to London? Everyone's in two-seater sports cars. Like, um, took a ride with some American guys who'd hired a Range Rover. Perfect. Um, had never driven in on the left. Oh. And curbed the car. Oh, fantastic. Driving out of Edinburgh, but at like 50 miles an hour. Oh, God. And I was in the back. I think I was with Rich... Rich Walton, another photographer. Yeah, yeah. Good photographer. Lovely guy. Um, and we're there just like, mate, you can't drive. You're getting really close to the curb, like really seriously close to the curb, and then thunk. And then after about half an hour, he's driving down the motorway, and, and he's like putting a lot of corrective lock on to go in a straight line. Oh, Jesus. And um, we were like just trying to fall asleep, and then eventually pulled over, and he's got a flat, obviously. Yeah. So we spent the entire time like stopping every hour to... Oh, fill this tire up anyway got to london got to london really late so yeah. missed this entire of course regent street amazing yeah. situation turn up at the hotel i i had fallen out with the guy managing the media side of this team in a in a quite a big way um because i felt like he left me stranded i was probably also a bit of a brat at the same time <laughs> but he, i felt like he left me stranded anyway i was chatting to james and james was like well i was going to go in my car Mm-hmm. So, why don't we go in your car? Aha. Uh-huh. And this is at like 11 p.m. at yeah. night. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm on the rally. So, we went to talk to <laughs> the guy who sort of heads up our team. And I was like, look, I understand that like, you're, you're paying for me to do this as a photographer, bringing me on this journey, all this stuff. Do you mind if I bring my car? And James and I go in my car. And then the absolute legend was like, yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like, do it. So, we drove. Got a taxi to my house, picked up my GT3 RS, enter 997.2 GT3 RS. Drove with James to the first checkpoint the next day. Yeah. Blagged up, sort of blagged our way in. They didn't want to let us in because we didn't have stickers. And we're like, no, but we're getting the stickers inside. Yeah. And then someone gave us, I don't know who it was. Maybe you actually. Possibly. We we spoke to some people and we got a sticker pack. It wouldn't have been me but I probably would have got the phone call to say there is a blue GT3 RS here that wants stickers. <laughs> and I think it's one of the photographers, but I don't think he's with Gumball. And I think at that <laughs> point, I just went to be like, yeah, it sounds like Sam, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so then we were like, not officially entrance. Yeah. I had a wristband because I was part of the, like a, a photographer. <laughs> um, and James had got a wristband because he was like associated. And then we got the stickers and we realized from that point on, if you've got the Gumball stickers, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Like, yeah. You can get in everywhere. So we drove London to Ibiza um, yeah. in my GT3 RS as a photography car. Yeah. Um, and had a, had a whale of a time. But yeah, that was the that was the beginning of the GT3 RS's first gumball. Yeah. And we'll get on to the, the second gumball with it in a bit because uh, that's a good story as well. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that, I, <laughs> I was opening up there with a brief... We met at Gumball, didn't we? Yeah, We've so ended apologies. up talking for 25 minutes about Gumball. Shouldn't, there shouldn't be a Gumball podcast. But it's going to have elements. It's, yeah, there's going to be a few elements in and out. Uh, I'm glad you said the GT3 RS, actually, though, because that is a quite a good way to, to start out. Because I'm, again, now casting my memory back to when we first met, and it would have been on the preparation for the 2013 rally. Mm. Um, and I think you were introduced to me by... I met a load of really influential 
cool people at that time that have ended up being one quite good friends. <laughs> <laughs> but you were one of them. Uh, the other was Tim, Tim yep. Burton, Shmi150. I remember having a really weird conversation with Adil, our accountant in the office. It was like, oh, this guy coming in, Tim, this afternoon, he's coming on the rally as media. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, who does he write for? Who does he, who does he photograph for? Oh, no, no, no. He's just got a YouTube channel and he like films cars on YouTube. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, what? But, but what newspaper yeah. or magazine does but, he write for? Because that was the thing. I'd come from, I was a freelance writer and motoring journalist. I was still doing bits and pieces of magazines. I was like, I know how media works. This isn't, this isn't media. <laughs> and YouTube at this time was still relatively new. And I, I, I've had this conversation with Tim in the podcast that we recorded together, uh, which was this kind of like, what do you mean you just film cars? It was really strange. But he came along. I suddenly got it. I understood it. Because there was like 5,000 people turned up just to see Tim. For Tim. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that was it. I remember clear as day yeah, going into uh, Copenhagen where we were setting up our first car display in 2013. And people were kept saying to me, like shouting over the fence in English, where's, where's Shmi 150? Where's Shmi 150? I was like, whoa, okay. Oh, but Tony okay. Hawk's over there. Yeah, like, yeah. That's exhibit. For <laughs> <laughs> The man from Pimp My Ride is right there. And you want the man from YouTube. Weird. Um, but yeah, it was Tim. It was you. Um, some really cool people right Rich Walton again great photographer cool I dude. went on to do some more work with after the rally um, yeah so I remember thinking like there's all sorts of interesting people here with quite interesting jobs and they're here to cover the event as photographers or as media people and then suddenly there was this guy called Sam Moores who's a photographer and Sam's going to join us on the rally and Sam I'm trying to think did you have the GT3 RS at that time or was there something else I feel, so on the this first is, time? No, this would have been in 2013, at the beginning of 2013. I can't remember. It was It was very... I think I got my I got my Boxster, which is the car I had before in... That was a 12 plate. Right. Uh, so I got that in 2012. Um, and then it was about a year later, I got the GT3. Right. Because I, re- I remember whatever it was you were driving around at the time, I remember thinking... Blimey, photographers do okay, don't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. what the hell's going on here? Like, it's not photography kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you are you happy to share that um, that side of life? Because I think yeah, I don't, there's an illusion. A lot of people, again, a bit like certain YouTubers, and I'm saying certain because it's not all, but there are a lot of people that look at this world of YouTube and media and think, oh, blimey, look, you do that, you can afford an R8, easy. And I, it's not always. As I think as you it. get. Uh, you get both perceptions mm. and they I think there's possibly incorrectly branded on the wrong people. Yeah. So, um, for me, I grew up, my great grandfather started a business called Littlewoods, mm-hmm. Littlewoods Pools, um, which, which now I look back and be like, Oh, I'm associated with gambling. This is, this is a bit <laughs> of a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> PR nightmare, but to be honest, uh, could be worse. You can make a lot of money out of gambling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they did a lot of good stuff. But so built up that, I mean, it was literally an empire. It was mm. the largest, I think, private company in Britain at the time. Wow. Um, that got sold when I was about 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really have anything to do with the business. Um, yeah. My dad was one of the directors at the time and stuff like that with some of his siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that basically pays for me to have nice things. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I say this like... If people ask me, I'd say this. I, I, for a long time, I sort of dodged the question. Yeah. I not dodged it, but just kind of like tried to sort of avoid it. Because I think, and this is a proper, you know, crime era of a situation. But when you're, if you're, you know, your name, if, if people can like Google your name, it's much less so now. Yeah. But if you were, it, if you were anywhere near Liverpool 
around the time. Right. Um, and, and actually, weirdly, so my great-grandfather um, owned Everton Football Club and right. his brother, wow. who was part of the business, owned Liverpool. Yeah. So they had the two big clubs at the time. With the surname Moors. <laughs> With the surname yeah. Moors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had a lot of guilt around, you know, all this money that I did. I didn't go out and start a business and mm-hmm. earn and, and whatever. And then um, yeah, eventually you just come to terms with that. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits. Yeah. Um, but it comes to terms with this fact. And a lot of people try and level that at you and go like, you know, you're somehow a lesser human because mm. you didn't start from zero. And, yeah. and I've, yeah. I'm now basically like, no, I didn't. Mm. And like, you, a phrase I heard recently was like, you know, you play the hand you dealt. Yeah. And for me, what that has meant is I, if I'd carried on down the sort of career path that I probably would have done as a kid, um, engineering, physics, maths, mm. probably was going to go into banking um, and would have had a really seriously mundane corporate job. But probably uh, quite well paid. Um, and w- quite well paid. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. I hope I would have been de- <laughs> decent at it. <laughs> yeah. um, but you never know. Yeah. And... And and that that sort of would have been that. Mm. What this has allowed me to do is is pursue other things. Um, yeah. One of which is photography, and then that has led to, yeah, I was friends with being friends with Tim Burton Shmi for a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of started out doing stuff at the similar sort of time, and that has sort of led me to here now doing like a weekly. Yeah. Kind of, it's it's not a radio show, but but it, as in it's a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we get quite a few people listening every week and i chat about cars but my journey through all of that you know you can't you can't plan these things no they sort of are not. what they are and but, um, it's uh, it's an it's such an interesting one because i you know as somebody who was kind of from the opposite end of the spectrum of you know had a, a comfortable upbringing but certainly grafted wasn't, wasn't a wealthy yeah well not a not a, a big wealthy family by any means um but it's essentially the interest and passion and creativity and to a certain degree, I guess, again, I'm very bad at sort of self-promotion, um, but being quite good at certain things that mm. got me to where I've got to. You know, I didn't have any have qualifications say, in... Getting stuff done. Yeah. You're very good at getting stuff done. Well, that's it. That's it. And I think that I think that's that's my upbringing, really. It was the, if you yeah, if you don't have the means to just make something happen, then you, you figure it out. You know, mm. you find a way and make it work and, and get it done. And I, yeah, that, I've said time and time again, and I, I frequently like reminding people, especially on this podcast, because I know we have a lot of uh, younger listeners as well that are looking ahead perhaps to a career and thinking, oh, no, but I don't have the right GCSEs. I didn't go yeah, to yeah. college and study that. I didn't go to university and study that. I have zero, zero qualifications to be doing anything that I do now professionally. Mm. I didn't do any studies for event coordination, hospitality, logistics, uh, media creation. I had no media training. All of this, I'm just making it up as I go along. And that has got me to where I am. But then going to the opposite side of the spectrum, it is absolutely no different for somebody that comes from a very privileged background as well. Because ultimately, yes, you can call yourself a photographer, but if you're rubbish at it, yeah. nobody's going to employ you. If you're a horrible human being, nobody's going to want to socialise with you. Nobody's going to want you to come along on these amazing road trips. So it almost does become irrelevant. And I get really annoyed when I hear people be like, oh, yeah, it's all right for him because, you know, he's family and multimillionaires. So all the opportunities came. Yeah. To a certain degree, it might get you into the ability to wear nice clothes, but it doesn't get you employment opportunities. It doesn't get you the the pass to be a photographer for the world's biggest motoring moving moving motoring event. Um, so yeah, I you know that's my little 
sideline rant. Mm, on. <laughs> I had a funny one. Um, so I did a podcast with GF Williams, mm. commercial photographer, um, who I've known for a long time yeah. through all sorts of stuff. Hi, and, Jeff. Um, Hello, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, George. And um, one of the comments, and, and you know, fair, fair play, uh, certain comments cut a little bit deep. And he was like, <laughs> who is this guy? He's like, he's like sitting there talking to George Williams as if he's like, you know, a decent photographer himself. And I was like, oh, man. That's, that's just George. That's, that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I'm, and I'm like, I mean, he's, you know, he's good. But like, and I don't, I, 100% now, I do very, very limited commercial photography in any way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, I don't have a current list of loads of clients or whatever. And it's not something I'm doing. But as a photographer, I'm like, you know, I think, you know, I think I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, but you know, George is like he likes pushing a button. It wasn't George. Oh no, no, it was a comment on the video. Oh, I see. George, Sorry, George. There's that. there's me slagging off George. Sorry, George. No, George is. Well, I mean, he might if he might say that, which is fair. I've never but, heard, him, heard him say that, but, but and I know he'll be listening to this now, going but, like, but waving we, his fist. We've so. gone one on one before on a rally. <laughs> oh, everybody that, has with George. And uh, uh, no, I just meant in terms of like you know, you both got to take photos. But yeah, he yeah. would be the first to admit that like that he hates that sort of photography yeah which is fair like it's yeah. not that fun it's stressful um, the whole everything about it is stressful so uh, yeah well, that was a, i thought it was a funny one someone just going in yeah mate your photos are <laughs> what you've been doing here. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Yeah. this is why i talk yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why i just talk to people i've got that. nothing left got nothing i'll just left. use my voice yeah um so photography was that the was that kind of how did you end up there as a as a job was there just a kind of did you pick up a That's camera a and think question. I'm alright at this or um, so I, I'd always had a I say always not always um, I had an interest I've always been interested in techie stuff mm. and my mind is I would say to a fault but it's a lot of benefit in certain things like I love details yeah. I like things being correct mm. um, like very sort of OCD in that manner um, and so that meant at school I preferred subjects like physics and maths and things like that because mm. i knew that like if you got everything right yeah. you got full marks yeah yeah if you gave them the correct answer i always thought with something like english like it was always a bit vague mm. it was like someone's opinion they're like well that one is slightly better than that whereas that was slightly better. I'm like well yeah but is it right or is it wrong yeah um and then so i i thought i i thought i was going to end up in a sort of corporate banking world mm. um so i went to study engineering at bristol and did some more of that realized like couldn't stand it in the interim i went and did a ski season nice so i did an instructor's course and then had since after that did a, a couple of seasons as a ski instructor in the summers i uh, did that with tim burton shmi yes of um, course. Yeah. and during that time i started taking photos so it was always like um we'd be skiing around and we'd make little ski videos and stuff yeah. which was quite fun um i mean horrifically awful skiing <laughs> but as our sort of editing and filming skills got better, the skiing got better. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. And that was how Tim, because Tim told that story on, on the podcast when he came on, he, that was how he started filming. his passion for filming. It was yeah, just yeah, yeah. mucking about on the slopes. So, yeah, that was, and that was exactly the same. So yeah. I started off and we both had little point shoots. I think I had a little Sony at the time and you'd like slide down the, the front of it and the little lens would pop out and that was my little camera, little digital camera. Um, I'd take photos and then eventually I bought an, an SLR I think I got it for my birthday from yeah from my dad mm -hmm. and Canon 70 at the time 
and took some more photos, started getting more interested in photos. And then sort of, it's basically been along with Tim. So uh, yeah. Tim started doing more car stuff. I wasn't like that interested in cars. Like I thought cars were cool things mm. and I'd play racing games and whatever, but I wasn't in the car scene and okay. my family was not really into cars at all. Mm. Um, so Tim started going to events and he was like, I'm filming, I'm going to go and follow this whatever in my one series. Do you want to come <laughs> and take some photos? So I came and took some photos. And as he sort of grew this small business into an absolutely behemoth of a YouTube yeah. situation, I also carried on doing stuff with him. We'd go on trips together. There was no kind of... Uh, we weren't like battling against each other because he was always shooting video. Mm. I was always shooting photos. Um, he'd get annoyed if I was like, my camera doesn't make any noise now, but we'd be at like, oh, Goodwood see. or something yeah, yeah. and a car would go past and I'd be like... <laughs> like you, you, this, this is a perfect like video clip of a McLaren F1 and you've just gone <laughs> through the middle. So he's like, you need to stand over there and I'll stand over here. Brilliant. But that, that sort of went arm in arm and we we do a lot of stuff and we still do things occasionally together so um, it's all tim's fault it's all you're tim's in the fault. car world yeah because that was going to be one of my questions I, I don't know I, I didn't know that story i didn't know that that's where it started from i think most people i find we talk to they're into this world of cars because of some sort of parental influence mum mm. or, or dad has loved cars or has raced or even if it was just going to events like goodwood as a child yeah but for you you didn't have that as a as a youngster there was no, no sort of car influence none at all. of it wow um, and then it was just a basically, I could be like, that's a Lamborghini, that's a Ferrari, Got that's you. a Porsche. Like that was the level of, of knowledge I had at the time. Ah. Um, and then we'd start doing more. And, and weirdly, I was doing a lot of video editing at the time. Yeah. Because um, of the ski movies and stuff. Got you. Um, so at and, this point, you're what, 18, 19? Yeah. I, yeah, I think by the time I was probably about 20, 21. Okay. So second year of uni. Yeah. And we would spend our summers in New Zealand teaching. Um, work on our not breaking ourselves working on our tricks and mm. spins and things and uh, and do some do some instructing and then yeah come back do some uni and then eventually both of us were like this uni stuff is not working out yeah and tim went off and i think set up an ebay he was always selling stuff on ebay he, was he had doing, a shop yeah, he had yeah like was, an actual shop yeah, selling yeah. imported technology wasn't it playstations and stuff yeah. to, to like famous people genuinely like famous people would walk in and be like this is the only place in London where I can get a PS3. He's like, yeah, pretty much. Love Both that. from Japan. Here you go. <laughs> 400 pounds cash, please. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was that was the intro to the, the photography world. And then actually, like, genuinely, Gumball was one of my earliest... I think I started photography in about 11, uh, 2011. Mm. And Gumball was one of the first, like, things that I did. And then I met so many people through that. Yeah. Which, to this day... It's like it's been such an amazing thing. It is that is for me the the best thing about Gumball is beside aside from the having the luxury and the that blessing of being able to create such a large scale event and piece it all together and with an amazing team around and all of us you know working on zero hours sleep and still being able to put something amazing together that was obviously very very rewarding but also yeah as you say the connections the people that you meet you know there are people that. I never probably would have met otherwise, despite the fact that we're, we're all in the car world, um, never would have met and got to know so well. Because that the, yeah. that little story you told about cramming five people into a five-seater car, um, that was so that was through and through throughout Gumball, especially from the crew point of view. And 
there's that famous saying, isn't it? If you want to really get to know somebody, you either have to live with them or travel with them. And mm. until you've done that, uh, you were looking for a fader there for the aeroplane volume, weren't you? I was, I was, was, I was <laughs> looking at your little dials like, I could just spin a, that down. There was a muscle memory there. <laughs> before, so where we're recording, the part of London we're recording in right now, uh, we are on a flight path. And Sam was saying before we hit record, sometimes a big plane flies over and I just lower my volume while the other guy's talking. And I watched Sam's hand move towards an invisible <laughs> fader. That's brilliant. Uh, sorry, completely sidetracked there by 787. Um, the, yeah, the whole getting to know somebody in a car thing is, is so true. Hmm. So you'd end up having never met this person. So suddenly you're crammed up against them for a four hour drive to a checkpoint. You get to know everything about that person. You know more about that person after two or three days on the road than you do about a friend from school that you've been at school with for years because you just end up unpeeling everything unless you get very unlucky and you're sat next to somebody who's a complete burke. And then, of course, it's the worst. But luckily, because of the nature of the event and the nature of the type of people it attracts, you end up having these amazing connections with people. And it is great. And you're right, you know, we're sat here now as a result of it. If I hadn't been on there perhaps our paths might have crossed at some car event somewhere but we might not have said hello Unlikely. it's it's, it's funny <laughs> yeah. a little when you say sat across from some book uh, it makes me think about some of the i mean some of the things that sort of happened and i, and I don't necessarily want to make this we don't have to name names thing. and i won't name names on this one because i don't know what his name is um but as a photographer often you'd end up with uh jumping in a car for a leg yeah and early days i would do this quite often because i had no seat um and and then occasionally your luggage would get separated and i learned that one very quickly of like never let your luggage get separated because you will never ever find it again um but someone had at the time they were in a a vanquish so like new shape vanquish Mm -hmm. and i think it was this was pretty new at the time it's always the case that they're gone like whatever's new is yeah is on and i got to sit in the passenger seat with this guy and it was quite wet and he was driving and we were driving down some motorway like i think quite quickly and there was a bit of traffic Mm. and he did this thing with the steering wheel and the road's wet and he like we're driving straight down we're about to slow down to then change lane or whatever slight undercut someone's stupid driving and uh he sort of shook the steering wheel oh god and i looked at him like and at the time i I didn't i hadn't done much driving i definitely hadn't done much like track driving or Mm. anything at that time so i looked at him like what was that? And I just said, like, oh, what, what was what was that about? Talk me through your method. And he was like, oh, yeah, it, um, it, it increases the grip in the wet. <laughs> and to this day, like to this day, that has stuck in my mind because I keep revisiting it and just going, now I know a lot more. Yeah. That makes absolutely <laughs> zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, let's just unstick the tires so that they've got more grip. In a wet situation, yeah. Let's yeah. bring a whole load of physics into this that really don't need to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of scary, uh, a lot of scary driving that I think we can all say we've witnessed on on Gumball. Just because you have the means to have a very, very expensive, capable car. Oh, your watch is talking to you. My watch is making some noise. Apologies if you <laughs> if you heard that. Um, my wife had a go at me recently because occasionally I'm not going to say the the word because it's going to come up on my watch. But ah, yes. what I'll be talking to someone. Yeah. Like this, for example. Yeah. And my watch will suddenly just start saying something completely ridiculous. Yeah. And I will yell expletives at it. <laughs> just leave me alone. And um, I turn all that off. I don't like it. I don't like it listening to me. Oh, I, the, uh, I don't actually want it to listen to me. So no. I, I will turn you that can, off. You can. You just disable the listen. Matching it kills Apple your, watches. kills your um, battery as well. Because it's always listening. It's always listening out for that 
Hey. That's true. And my phone's doing that, so I yeah. don't need it twice. No, no. <laughs> Good sidetrack. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I, t- I think the point I was making is, yeah, that they, often you get to see some amazing cars and some very interesting people driving these cars, um, but you learn very quickly that just because you have the means to buy that incredible dynamic handling supercar that doesn't give you the warrant for being a good driver yeah. oh god as is seen on every rally where there's bad weather mm-hmm. and i think that copenhagen one was pretty bad weather yeah it was awful and we had this amazing situation where one of the sponsors uh, a gambling company yes um had, it, basically they'd run a competition and the <laughs> winners get to go on gumball i mean and, and they get put in, in a, a supercar in a supercar i mean what that is like, I mean, that is dream stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. and and this is, this it's really like unfair that it worked out like this, but they were like, let's create badass stuff. So mm. what they did, yeah. So one of the winners, I think, I don't know where they were from, but they'd never driven a manual car. And the manual car that they put them in was a GT2 RS. Oh. 997. Right. 997 GT2 RS. Manual, 620 horsepower. Yeah. On old school cups, the first generation of cups, which I will attest to were awful. Do not work in the wet at all. Um, Unless they're really hot. If they're really hot, they're actually okay. (laughs) But don't hit standing water. No. And then then they had maybe a 458. Yeah. And within 100 miles... I think both of them definitely yeah. the 458 was off the road the 458 i remember seeing a photograph of that because again there was this weird culture about within the crew within all the staff if if you knew somebody had had a crash uh obviously it's a pr nightmare for yeah. the rally for so of course we don't want photos of that on social media <laughs> and the, you know we'd get these huge briefings i'd have to do these briefings at the beginning of the rally and, and occasionally throughout the rally saying you know if if something happens accidents do happen we've got 150 200 cars on the yeah. road here if something happens Please, for God's sake, don't post it on social media because it looks awful. Yeah. And and you know more than that, if somebody's actually hurt, we don't want a relative of somebody who yeah. knows they're in a red Ferrari to be the first news they hear that their beloved son, father, brother, uncle might be injured through an Instagram feed. Um, but yeah, sure enough, there were photos that were being fired around our internal WhatsApp groups going... Um, the Sorry, the insert gambling company Ferrari has... Uh, has binned it on a wet road, I think, through Latvia or somewhere like that. Yeah. Yeah. And a quite, that rally, quite a few cars ended up in hedges. Mm. And I guess part of the nature is the number, the volume of supercars. Yeah. And lots of them were, like, I don't know how much attention people pay to tyres. Like, oh, lots of people don't no. pay attention to tyres in any way, shape or form. So they could be on old tyres. Mm. Uh, they might not have much experience of driving. People get overexcited on these rallies they drive quite quickly and then people also put them in the most lenient mm-hmm. or esc off modes yeah. without any concept of what that might actually mean yeah um and and yes i mean cars just some cars just get binned yeah it's unfortunate it I mean, is it's unfortunate quite, it's quite interesting at the time just from like a <laughs> wall <laughs> but but yeah it's not it's not a great situation no and it's a lot rarer than people think as well. It I think it always it gets the publicity because, of course, it's a crash. And whenever a supercar crashes, it tends to get circulated everywhere anyway. But when you do consider there's 150 to 200 cars, and on that rally, two might have a minor off. Nobody. And they're doing 3,000 miles. Yeah. Which oh, some God. people don't do at in least, like two years. At least, because you've got 300, sorry, 3,000 miles on the rally itself. 
and that's even if you're if you're lucky enough for the rally to start down the road from where you live and finish yeah yeah so you've got loads of miles before loads of miles after um yeah on the whole we are very lucky or we were very lucky at the time that there weren't any major major accidents um nobody was seriously injured there was one many 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 years ago that was before both of our times um that got a bit of publicity but other than that it's it's always been a minor accident but yeah you think the grand scheme of things that number of cars that many miles the nature of the cars that are being driven it was actually a very safe and, and it continues to be a very safe event the nature of the people doing the rally as well i think you a lot a lot of the people actually doing the rally are, are incredibly sensible yeah incredibly sensible kind of like business type people mm. because generally how do you afford do that rally yeah you've got to be moderately successful and yes there's a lot of entrants but like a large percentage of them are just kind of like having their midlife crisis or like in their 50s or whatever and they're like yeah with my mate we've got a sports car let's go and do it and a lot of people i remember you know you'd see them at nine o'clock and they're like yeah i mean we're gonna eat some food and we're going to bed at 10 and then we'll be up at seven and we'll see you tomorrow And, and when i was 22 I was like, what are you talking about? Obviously, we're going to the club. <laughs> and then now I'm 33. And if, if someone was like, would you like to see Jump Gumble? First of all, I'd be like, no, no, no. Well, maybe now it's got long enough, but no, basically not. I would I would be going to bed as soon as possible. I would be eating the most sensible food the entire time, just <laughs> yeah. trying to, trying to stay Nothing but grains. alive. <laughs> grains and oats. But yeah, I feel like we should talk about some sort of cars or something. We should talk about cars because there is a, a fantastic list of cars that you have owned Uh, this will be this will be the third week in a row that i've had quite a big conversation about a certain iteration of ferrari uh called the f40 yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) the hype don't believe the hype they're rubbish um because yeah i have a very have a very very fond memory of going along to an auction and i'm now trying to think oh there's a model of it on the table um Going on to an auction at Battersea Park, or was it? Was it Battersea? Yeah, I think it was Battersea Park, and I'm trying to think who it was. It might have been Bonham's. RM. RM. It was RM. RM auction. I went along with our good friend Tim Hutton again, another Gumball friend. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tim and I were both living in London at the time, and Tim was like, "Oh, there's this auction happening. Let's go along and have a look, take some photos." Sure enough, we went along. It was lovely, and you were there by by chance. We bumped into each other. I was like, "Oh, hey, Sam! Wow, was that this a, is great." Was I bidding? I don't know if you were bidding, but you, uh, I think I asked the question. So at this time, I'm trying to think what year this would have been. 2014, 2015? Yeah, I guess so. And um, we, yeah, purely by chance, we bumped into each other. I was like, oh, this is cool. Sam's here having a chat. And I asked the question, I said, what have you, um, what have you driven here in? And you got out of your pocket this foldable Ferrari key. Oh, right. Yeah, and I was yeah. like. So it must have been 2016 or something. Oh, what's that? And, um. And you didn't say. You're like, oh, it's just an old Ferrari. I was looking at the key going, oh, so it's probably like an old 308 yeah, or... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, something still quite cool. And you're like, oh, it's outside. So we walked outside where this lovely parking area was outside the auction. And I'm looking around. I'm like, hmm, can't, f- can't see a ropey old 308 <laughs> outside anywhere or maybe a 355. But I'm sure they had better keys by that point. Um, there was this gorgeous blue F40 parked in the corner. I thought, oh, blimey, that's nice. Uh, but walking around, and then, yeah, you walk towards this blue. Uh, remind me of the colour? Uh, it's, it's aqua blue. Aqua blue, which is a... Is it a Porsche colour? It's a Porsche colour. Yeah. <laughs> Same walk- colour as the GT3 RS. Yes, that's right. Walked over towards this aqua blue, dark blue Ferrari F40, and I just went, 
Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah. no, I think that must have been 2015. I no, think I think you, I only had, had, had it for very long. Yeah, it was brand new to you. I think it was you'd had it, uh, or it'd certainly been delivered to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there is, it's quite a significant car to talk about, isn't it? Because quite punchy. Yeah. It's um, and I didn't realise this until a good year or two of you owning the car that it used to be the Liberty Walk mm, car in Japan, one. which of course was like a world famous car. Um, I hadn't put two and two together on this at all. That I knew this Liberty Walk. Ferrari F40 existed, white with Enki wheels. It was very cool, wing. actually. It was so cool. And then suddenly, I was actually I was actually sat in a pub um, with another friend of ours, Al Clark, in uh, the West Midlands. We were talking about the Liberty Walk Ferrari F40. We were talking about Liberty Walk cars, as we often do. And um, I think Al said to me, well, where, where did that Ferrari go? Because I, I don't know what's happened to it. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I heard stories about it getting exported, but I don't know where it ended up. And we both kind of looked at each other and went, hang on. <laughs> it, surely it's not the the blue Ferrari, the re, the famously resprayed Ferrari that Sam Moore's has currently got cannot be the Liberty Walk car, but it is. It was, and it uh, the way that came about is I was looking for I decided I'd, I'd got some money and I thought an F40 was probably a pretty good place to put it. Yeah, um, as long as you don't bin it and. Um, I'd started going, and the reason I said was I bidding because there was an RM auction where I bid on a car, uh-huh. and financially I should have bought the car that I bid on then. Um, but yeah, it's all worked out very well; it's all been great. But I've, you know, you learned some lessons along the well, way. Instead of the F40, no, it was an F40. Oh, okay. And, and it, but it was like a mint, very low mileage red one, full service history, plexi oh, okay. windowed, blah 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 blah, um, which would have been worth. A fair, fair, pretty penny, but it was also more expensive at the time, and it just seemed like a lot of money. Yeah, it was a lot of money. They were a lot of money. They are now. Um, and then I went into Joe McCary, mm-hmm. where a friend of mine was working at the time, and was looking around, and I was chatting to him about cars and saying I'm, I'm interested, and, and I tried to find a car, not too extensively but i was sort of looking around watching auctions and, and things yeah. and they had this white one in there mm. and then he was like i mean you could buy that and make it original if you want yeah like we could sort that out and then i was like yeah but if you do that and then and then this idea of like yeah but then it wouldn't have to be red mm. because as much as people think i'm some sort of serious heathen for um changing the color of an f40 and it not being red and as time goes by, I absolutely stand by the fact that all F40, not a decent chunk of F40s should be other colours because there are enough red ones. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, hang on a minute. If we, if I buy that car, because it's white mm. and it's been messed with, yeah, I, I could make it any colour. Yeah. So long story short, we did a deal where they would send it to a company called Zanassi, who are the kind of the official Ferrari body shop uh they do all the if you want a triple layer paint or stripes on your laferrari or anything mm. like that they go to Donassi, it's done there it's like the place that's not quite ferrari that is ferrari it's like the to ex- get stuff done. external ferrari atelier isn't it exactly yeah. exactly um car went back to them uh i sort of negotiated a price to sort it all out where we found a bunch of unpainted panels mm. um put the car back to original spec 
it got its Classic A certification. Great. Thank you, Ferrari. Um, and people go, how on earth does that happen? Well, actually, as part of the Classic A process, I mean, you know, it's, they're Italian. <laughs> they do things a bit differently to the rest of the world. But the colour is not part of the, the certification. Oh, is that right? Um, on, on, yeah, pretty much all cars. And am I also right in saying... Because again, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had this answer from you directly, but it's certainly been one that's been sort of churned around the internet and, and various opinions at car meets. Am I right in saying that Ferrari weren't overly happy with the fact that it was a Liberty Walk car? Because they're, they're not the most fond of aftermarket modifications. Are I they? imagine they were not very happy yeah. about it being a Liberty Walk car. Um, I, when I was picking the colour, and so the car actually turned out after all this, a very nice car. Yeah. Um, when you saw that car in person, one, obviously the paint was amazing because it's mm. just been done, but also it had weave and all the, the interior was like super nice. Yeah. All the components and everything looked exceptionally good. And I actually didn't really realize how nice an F40 it was until I started seeing more F40s. Right. And you go, oh, oh, I mean, I know that one's like red and it's, got two owners or whatever but like this one looks much nicer mm. and and tim said now whether he was just being nice as a friend he's like he's driven a few mm. and he said mine was the nicest to drive brilliant um for whatever reason but yeah it was interesting i, I did look to try and find a ferrari paint color because mm. you know like yeah that's yeah. the obvious solution yeah. painted a classic ferrari color um and i went through all of the blues i knew i wanted it to be blue all of the blues that I could find, uh, you know, start off with like TDF, which is a color that everyone thought it was for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just let that. I didn't, I kept it a bit on the hush so it was a Porsche color because that's a bit like, mm. it's a bit extra, isn't it? But the, none of the colors, and this comes back to my sort of OCD photo type, just general attitude to yeah. life. Yeah. None of the colors fit what I wanted from a color. Nice. So one of the things that a lot of the, color the, the color paints do when you put them into shade mm. for example or in the light you might see the fleck which mm. might have a different color in it so it might sparkle a different color loads of black cars they're like oh it's actually blah blah green and you're like yeah i mean yeah under certain lights but yeah. the rest of the time it's black um but one thing that often happens with blue is when you put it into shade so tdf does this it goes purple uh-huh um, and sometimes they go like a kind of turquoisey color. Yeah. Um, and all of the options mm. did that. And I thought, one, TDF is quite a dark color. Yeah. And I thought an F40 doesn't need to be like a, like a dark blue. That's It is a supercar. Mm. It is like quite something. It needs to be a like a at least a middle sort of color. And anyway, I, I have this GT3 RS sitting in my garage that I think is the best blue ever. Yeah, it's a gorgeous color. Um, and I was like, well, let me, let me just, you know, make it the same as that. <laughs> I like that. And there we go. As far as I'm aware, there are only two people that have had a uh, official sign-off for a Porsche colour. I know that some, a lot of people have painted Ferraris different colours to how they've uh, come out of the factory. But to get a Porsche colour is very difficult to do, I'm told. It's not out of the factory. Certainly from it? the factory. But yeah, true, true. The only other person that I know has got a Porsche colour on a Ferrari, and that did come out of the factory, is JK. 
because okay. his LaFerrari was a that that, oh, that, that green. green. I can't think it's now completely gone out of my head. But I was with that car only a couple of weeks ago, and I was reminded of that story then. Saying that <laughs> he, he apparently when he bought the car from Ferrari, he was like, "Yeah, I really like it." But I think Ferrari originally said, "No, all LaFerraris have to be red, red or that's it." Okay, so was that car painted once or twice? Uh, it, it was painted green from the factory, I'm told. Straight from the factory. Yeah, yeah. and it was apparently the first time Ferrari have ever taken a Porsche colour nice. and said, okay, that's fine. But it was because it was JK of Jamaica yeah. fame. If it was anyone else, I'm sure they just would because stand Because Apertas, that yeah. did not happen to. No, no, that's right. I think later they on... They went to Zanassi and were repainted. Ah, is that true? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think, I believe what happened is they said you can have five colours. And like, on my two and a half million euro car? <laughs> yeah, five colours. Uh, and they're all crap. It's like a yellow, red, red, <laughs> grey. I don't know what the other one was. Black or something. And, um, and, and funnily enough, the people that were buying them were like, well, I don't want them to all be the same. Yeah. And I, for whatever the cost is, 30,000 euros or something, yes, I will have it in the colour I want. So I think they all got like painted, a lot of them, I believe, got painted red, mm. went to Zanassi and then were redone. Right. Like sanded back down, redone okay. into the, with special stripes and colours and whatnot. I believe yeah. that is the situation. Well, if I'm wrong about the Porsche green, I'm sure somebody will be emailing now. <laughs> yeah. Capital letters. <laughs> John, you idiot. Which is a, 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 an email subject I frequently get, uh, mainly because I invite it. So, that's, uh, so yeah, that, that's so that's the, the story the of, the of the F40. So at the, at the time of you buying it, was it in full Liberty Walk spec? It had the Yankee mm. wheels, it had, had everything, radical yeah. bits. And where did all that stuff go? Uh, that is actually something I do not know. And ah. I would like... I, I wish I'd kept the wheels. Yeah, God, yeah. Christ, they'd be... It was on air suspension. Worth more than most cars. Um, um, was it really on air ride? I think it was How on air or that? something. Blimey. Was it on air or did it have a lift? Maybe it had a lift. It was definitely on like at least fully adjustable, slammed. Yeah. On the NKs and whatnot. It had a bigger rear wing, didn't it? It had. What they'd done is they'd taken the middle section out of the rear wing. Right. And put a. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Like a blade type, you know, conventional right. wing yeah. on it. Yeah, uh, and then it had a different diffuser. It had the front clam looked like an LM body kit. That's right. So it had the fixed lights. It didn't have the pop ups. Yeah. Why would you take the pop ups off an F forty? But um, yeah, true. But true. equally, this I think the guy the guy that did it had two. Katerstan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, I think you're right. I think there are two. I hope no, there's... no, no, no. He oh, had what? a red one and a. Oh, white I see. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was also quite LME, wasn't it? 
not sure. Le Mans specky. Um, so those parts didn't come with the car. You didn't like put them on a pallet somewhere. And they, it was all part of the deal. Okay. So it was like we'll get rid of these parts. And you'll <laughs> don't, pay you some more money. don't you we'll, worry? Don't you worry? We'll take we'll care bin of them. it. We'll bend them. <laughs> yeah. We'll just throw them in the bin. In fact, it's going to be five hundred pounds for the disposal. I know that's cheap, but we'll do that just to cover the fuel. Um, yeah. And then so then I had five years, five six years of owning an F forty, driving it every now and then. Living the, to quote a, a phrase from Tim, living the supercar dream. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and you, you, kept, cool. you kept that for the majority of its life at Vista, didn't you, to store? A lot a lot of it. It yeah. was in London for a bit. Yeah. And then I, one, it, it's not a car. I, I'm not the person, despite having, you know, yeah. some uh, some loud cars at various times, Um that wants the attention driving around town. Mm, I'm glad uh, you said that because I like picking up on that sort of thing. Because again, this world of supercar ownership, it can be so easy for people to be like, "Oh, all right, attention seeker," you know, or what, yeah. what are we compensating for? You know, best joke ever. Um, but it's funny, isn't it? Because I, again, I'm like you. I hate the idea that somebody would think I'm driving a car because I want to be seen in that yeah. car. I just like really cool cars. Like even on a you know a stratospherically different scale, my little Z3 M Coupe, which is mm. the longest I've owned any car, that gets a lot of attention. It's a very very unusual car. Yeah, and cool. whilst I like people coming up and being like, "Oh, that's cool," like they'll have a quick chat. I hate the I hate the attention of it. It's mm. really strange. You know, I, I get embarrassed, and there's no reason to be embarrassed. I'm not there going, "Hey guys, look at me in my car." It's just people that uh, it's the only car I've ever had. And it's funny when I have a passenger with me, if I if I have a passenger and I need to get petrol, I will say to them before we go into the forecourt, I guarantee somebody <laughs> in this petrol station will come and talk to me about this car. And every single time I can count on one hand in the four or five years that I've owned that car that I can that I've been to a petrol station and somebody has not walked over and said, What is it? or Oh my god, I've never seen one, or you know, it's it's strange, isn't See, it? See that's that and that's I think rides there's a level mm. because F40, it's, I mean, they're, they're exceptionally cool. People love them. Um, but they are also, like, slightly older. So they, they they don't quite do the, if you turn up in a Chiron. If you turn yes. up in a Chiron, yes. everyone knows what Chiron is. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think many people would come up and talk to you in a Chiron. Because they're like, yeah. oh, whoa, like, this is mad. Um, F40, you the people that clocked it, mm. you knew really, really seriously clocked it. And yeah. they were like, they'd come up and chat and like that was one of the cool things about having the car actually was like the people you met and just chat to and they're like i've never seen one mm. and you're like well wait wait until i drive off because this one's quite loud as well um and you showed them around the car and whatever and, and all that sort of stuff and that was super cool but there is a level where people go that's a really cool car but it's possibly slightly attainable and therefore they will 100 percent come and talk to you because there's no like, oh, you know, I, I can't talk to that owner because like for whatever reason. And just to caveat that before somebody suddenly writes a review going, uh, attainable F40, uh, the Not time the you F40. bought it. No, yeah. Not talking about the no. F40, I'm talking about the Z3M. <laughs> yeah, yeah. F40 is absolutely not in that category. Unatta- unattainable. Getting more unattainable each second, yeah. annoyingly for which me. Is, which is part of the reason why I sold it. Um, is that right? It's just the value... And the I didn't want to drive like I didn't want to drive it in case it got damaged. Mm. Um, it was fun. It was very fun for about half an hour. 
I call I it like a half that. an hour car. So it's like a bittersweet thing of, yeah, I'm in an F40 and it's amazing, but oh my God, there's a bus coming near me. Oh my God, there's a cyclist there. Oh my God, what does that person at traffic lights actually think? Yeah, and then like, it's not a very fun... So mine had the had competition pipes on it. Right. TB style competition pipes on it. 125 decibels. Something like that. Noisy. Quite loud. Yeah. So when it was at Bista, that actually worked very... I had it in London for a while and then I started, people would follow me home. Uh, like interested young people yeah but I'd have the things where I'd park in my garage which wasn't like you could get to the garage from the street it was not like yeah, yeah. not through any gates or anything um, and people would come up and they'd take a picture and I'd be like look I I was where you were mm. okay financially different situation but like four years before I was following cars around being like oh my god there's a LaFerrari oh my yeah, god there's a LaFerrari yeah. let's take some pictures um but I don't, can you really please not post a picture of the car outside my house yeah. or the car in my garage? Yeah. Because I will get robbed yeah, or yeah. people will start camping outside my house. Yeah. And I had it once where this group of like four people came down and I said this. I was like, you can take some pictures. Yeah. And then like a month later, one of them posted the picture. Right, right. And I was like, fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, this is a real problem. Yeah. And... I've, I've known stress. quite a few people that once they start getting followed home or they start, whether it's their license plate or whatever, mm. they start changing license plates, keeping cars in different places. Um, I, when I renewed my insurance this year, they they noted that I have a social media presence. No way. And that was not a good thing. Really? Um, yeah. So with the two, there's two different cars yeah. downstairs. Um, you've not seen one of them, but anyway, they're down there. Um, I have zero plans to post those plates anywhere. Great. In a video, I'm going to blur it. Uh, mm. in a, not because like, I don't have easily recognizable plates, mm. but the fact that it will then be on the internet. Yeah. I just want to be able to like, not like park it on the street and people not go, that's where Sam lives. Yeah. Uh, which is completely fair enough. And again, I think a lot of people in this world forget that at times, don't they? But <laughs> those of us that are fortunate enough to have quite interesting cars, we also have a very private life. Yeah. You know, we like to be able to turn up to a car show and talk about cars and yeah, that's great. But there, there does come a limit. Like you often, if you think how it would be reversed the other way around, if I, I like, suddenly rocked up yeah. at your house at night going, oh, so cool, this is where you live. Can I, yeah. can I have a look at your kitchen? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there is that <laughs> distinction and it, it's not a, you don't want to, like, I like people being able to enjoy the cars through the content created and yeah. chat and whatever and explain what it's like living with these things and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there is that, that switch of no, I don't, mm. I don't want you to like, I, out of situation, I quite like not being recognized. Yeah. But it's not necessarily just, it's not even just a flying under the radar. It's, it's purely mm. just security. Yeah. Yeah. So F40 went away. Went away. Great times. Unbelievable for about half an hour. Like genuinely amazing car for about half an hour. Like more mental than anything I've driven. Mm. Uh, something that I thought was, was quite similar, not the same, but similar, is like a, a Larry Exige. Okay. Because um, like light. Yeah. Uh, the most recent Exige I drove was, uh, I think, a 410 Sport. Mm -hmm. And it was wet. Mm. And that had similar vibes of like pretty sketchy, yeah, um, light, kind of fun, like manual steering. The F40 is sketchier because like if you go over a bump, 
sometimes the rear will like lift up yeah. move to the side and come back down again yeah. that sort of stuff like old school suspension mm. um which makes it feel sketchier which yeah. makes it more involving at 60 miles an hour in that car you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this has got it going on, um, <laughs> and like really fun. Just it is a really fun. I would say quite easy car to drive. Mm. Yeah, it has a tendency to light up under boost, but not like it doesn't do anything stupid. Right. It doesn't Mustang on you. Just like maybe if you lift it off, it probably would. Yeah. But like both rear wheels light up at the same time, got and you. you go in a straight line. If you yeah, go around yeah. a corner, it comes out. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, had had it for a while. Drove it, not tons, for all of the above reasons. Value, mileage, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That got on my nerve. Um, moved it out, out of London, which was great, actually, because where it was stored at Bicester at the time, you could go and then within two minutes be on an amazing road. Yeah, some great roads. So you warm there. it up, get on it for like 45 minutes, have some lunch, come back, and then you're like, that's it. I've got my, like, I didn't crash, so happy days. <laughs> and uh, it's safe and I'll come back in like two months time and I'll do the same thing. Yeah. Um, finished it off with a track day, actually. Oh, you did? I got invited to Anglesey um, as part of a media thing. I don't know whether you've ever been on a, have you ever been on a media track day where I, they've like booked the track? I have been invited to them a few times and I've always politely declined. Yeah. Because only because I know quite a lot of motoring journalists who get paid to write reviews on cars and how they handle and I've seen how they drive and I don't want to be on a track with them so this they were they wanted um it was for a company they'd hired it to create some content for their sort of subsidiary brands and stuff right um, and it was all filming and whatever and it, it was like going to it was like literally like working on a going to a film set it's mm. like 50 crew yeah with like drones and cameras and arms and stuff um, but they'd said to me, you can come along and we will give you dedicated track time just to yourself. Nice. Oh, okay. That's and lovely. Because it was a media day, you, there's like no rules, like genuinely no rules. If you've been to a track day, like you've got to overtake on the left. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is like, that section of track is yours. Yeah. No one is going to drive on it. So yeah. you can run whichever, you wouldn't run it backwards. <laughs> Not that stupid. But but you, if you want to stop, turn around, drive 100 meters back up the track to take a photo no problem wow. drifting whatever yeah no helmets which actually for the f40 was quite good because i don't think i could wear a helmet i think i could wear a helmet but it, i think my head would be at a yeah, significant angle in that car down. yeah um so got to drive it quite hard and drove it as hard as i would want to drive to drive it mm. and like i would say gave it everything um and then came away at the end of the day and was like that's the only thing I can do with this car now is probably to do more track days because mm. as much as, you know, it's cool to be sliding around on the road, you're putting a lot on the line. Also, yeah. you don't want to have a crash in F40. As like a driver, no. you don't want to have a crash. It's going to really, really seriously hurt as well as financially. But like, yeah, yeah. Crash. So I was like, well, you know, what? I've, I've done all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's onwards and, I, and price of cars. Yeah. I, I don't know because that car... Has, a, has an interesting history. I think it's a very good car, mm. but it has a slightly interesting history. So it's not the most collectible of no. of, of F40s, um, despite the fact apparently quite a few people liked it um, when it was going up for auction. Yeah. Put up the money. But it just felt to me like, you know what, it's time to sell this and, mm. and probably go more niche. I don't know whether I will ever buy a car of that value again. I'm not going to say no. No, I won't ever, mm. but... 
I would much rather, uh, I was chatting to someone about this yesterday, if like, I would rather, you know, there's, there's a lot of money, but let's say a, a car that's a tenth of the value of that now, uh, a price of, I don't know, a nice 911. Let's say a, a, ni- a nice 911, something like that. For me, I will use that car, like with um, my old 911 or my GT3 or anything, mm. The trip, one of the trips we did went to Sweden. I would mm. take any of those cars to Sweden and be like, you know what? Like, yeah. I can accept that if some damage happens, like, I, I can afford to fix it and let's, you know, I'd rather not, mm. but I can use it. And that's way more fun yeah. than looking at something in a garage. Yeah. Oh, God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. So that was, that was the F40. It was a sick car. Sick car. But I didn't drive it. Ah. Oh. And where did it go? Did it go overseas when it sold? That's a good question. It's gone to someone that has an unbelievable collection of cars. Right. Um, one of the cars he owned at one point, which I don't know whether he owns now, F50 GT. Oh. One. F50 GT or GT1? I think there's only one. An actual Le Mans style racing yeah. car. Yeah, it's an F50 with a solid roof and like an air scoop on top. It's like literally oh. like never been seen. <laughs> wow. He he has loads and loads and loads of sick stuff overseas in various parts of the world. Got you. Um, and he uses them. So he does track days and stuff, mm. private track days, hires out an F1 circuit. Fair enough. And, and takes some mates and drives 30 insane cars. Sick. Yeah. So, but he's a fan of Blue. He was a fan of um, Joe McCary, which is who did all the work mm-hmm. and serviced the car. And he was also a big fan of Zanassi. Nice. Um, so it tied in quite well, and then there was a couple of other people that were interested as well. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that was that. Go. That was that onwards. Do you think there is a a perfect all round car, considering the, the the kind of the very real scenarios of living in London, not wanting people to follow you home, still having a car that's really engaging to drive, even if it was like a money no object thing, which I don't think is too unreasonable. But is there a is there a car that you can think of that would tick all those boxes or is it just a gt3 rs <laughs> i think i i think i i am forever chasing the could i have a one-car garage or mm. the reality probably is a more realistic would be a two-car garage because yeah. you're gonna have some sort of family vehicle yeah which can then also be what it should really be is really comfy yeah lots of space and really comfy mm-hmm. so that 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 can tick that box. And then the other car, I was, who was I chatting to? Matt Pry, auto car. Mm. And we were discussing this sort of topic. And I was saying, it's very easy to sort of, if you've got multiple cars, to then divide it up. But I found at one point in time, I had four, I don't know how many cars it was, four, four or five, um, but four road cars, I think. And they were all the same. As in, they were the hardcore driver's cars. Yeah. And you're like, well, why have four? Yeah. That makes no sense. Even, and even if they're slightly different, like I think it was a time when I had my M2, uh, I had my old 911, I had my GT3 RS. I think maybe that maybe that was it, the three. Um, and you're like, I could use any of them for any of the stuff, mm. but none of them excel. Like they excel, at the, you know, on an amazing road, but you had a GT3 RS, that was like the best, or the old 911 or something. Yeah. So do you bookend and go right i've got something super 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 comfy and then something super hardcore mental a bit stupid maybe like a nomad or something mm. that's just going to be laugh out loud hilarious the entire time or 
Then you take it back a bit and go, I've got something super comfy, big, whatever. Then I have a sports car that's like, I used to think you needed to have the GT3 RS to have the fun on the track, for example. Yeah. And what I've learned is any car is fun on track. Yes. Not quite, but pretty much. You can. I think the, the way to phrase that is you can have fun yes. in any car on track. Whilst it might not be the most fun, yes. you can make it fun. And, and, and driving on track is all about pushing the limit. Yeah. So you could have uh, literally pretty much anything as long as it doesn't have exceptionally ropey handling characteristics like you know massive open diff rear-wheel drive car that just can't drive in a straight line ever <laughs> and it's wet or something but i always used to think okay and i've got my gt3 rs and I, I don't think i'll ever sell it i kind of love it too much i've done too many things and the value for it to me is just not worth at the moment mm. getting rid of but something tamer like maybe like a, like a base carrera yeah. With probably all of the options because I do want rear wheel steering. I do want the diff. Actually, they don't have a diff. So maybe like a Carrera S. But I want the right comfort. Mm. Uh, let's say it was a 992, I'd have the acoustic glass. Um, the problem I run into in those, like a Carrera is the engine is just not that inspiring to me mm. at all. So then you've got this balance of usability and comfort you could have an, a 991.2 gt3 mm -hmm. it's a pretty nice car that's got the engine but it's a bit louder day to day i, I think something like that would be the do it all sports car 991.2 touring it's like slightly niche yeah uh manual amazing engine revs to nine super practical you can still take phone calls in the car mm -hmm. you can still like connect your phone that plus some some wafter, I don't know, a ghost or I, I wouldn't be seen driving a ghost, but like something like that yeah, yeah. would actually be an amazing two-car garage. Where do you stand on the whole Range Rover thing? Would you like, do I like, you them. like the idea of owning one? I like Range Rovers. I think a lot of people sell me on Range Rover as, yeah, but it's got loads of space. Mm -hmm. And I fundamentally, slightly, there's part of me that's like, yeah, but does it? Like, do it? Because... <laughs> Yeah, I think you can put a lot of stuff in the back of a Range Rover, but can you put more than like a Skoda Superb Estate, which has a stupid amount of space in yeah, the back? Yeah, huge. And, and it's a very brilliant car. And it's a very brilliant car. Or, when's this going to go out? A couple of weeks. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. the exact date, because um, the dear listener will already know, because they're like, huh, it's today, you it's idiots. It's today. Uh, it's going to go out on the 30th. Monday the 30th. Okay. Well, I was just... Anyway, whatever. I bought a, an E-Class estate. Ah. Stupid one. 63. That was a stupid... That, that part of the... Latest the, shape. Yes. Ooh. So I needed... wanted to get a facelift because all the previous 63s and 53s had bone-shaking suspension. Mm. Since facelift, it's got much better. It's got 20-inch wheels, which I would not spec, but you can't get a UK car with 19-inch wheels annoying but what that means is you drive over a small pothole and it's like or like little expansion joints and mm. blah, 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 blah 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 but e-class estate has a very deep boot mm -hmm. and that's what you get with the estates the car's a bit longer but you get a quite a deep boot and actually in real this is such my mundane stuff but this is the sort of thing <laughs> i think about in a range rover it's like a it's very high 
So yeah. all a lot of the volume is in the height, yeah, stacking got a, things high. Yeah, if you've got a very tall boxes that you need to consistently yeah. carry around, it's very good. But other than that... But if you've got things that are long yeah. and you want to put them in, you often have to put them sideways rather than straight in. Mm. Um, but no, I, I like Range Rovers. I think they tick the SUV, whatever the SUV box is. I, don't, I think lots of people have different takeaways from an SUV. Mm. But basically, they don't try and set a Nürburgring lap time, no. which I think ruins... All of the other ones, like uh, Porsche Cayenne, like mm. I, I love Porsche. I love their cars. Yeah, but a Cayenne to me should be luxurious. Yeah, and the only SUV, take a Bentayga, like any any of them, they are not as comfy as the lower down cars. Mm-hmm actually Range Rovers are like pretty plush and they just accept you're going to have a body roll and it's not going to go 200 miles now it's not going to set a lap time but you can waft around in it the driven chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital but will it break down this is a big <laughs> this is a serious thing for me will yeah, it break yeah, down yeah. I I don't know but they do sometimes and um and I'm I'm just the person so I had a GTC4 Lusso Yes. For a bit. That's like the perfect state, isn't it? Or something. Apart from the badge. Um, <laughs> and that one day decided that it was like, you know, some electrics weren't going to work. And it, and it did eventually work. That's weird. An Italian yeah. supercar. And, and I was in, electrics. in the middle of Scotland. It was like minus four degrees. And I needed, we needed to drive away from the place we were at and get somewhere else. And stuff started playing up. And it mm. said, return to dealer. Turned it off, turned it on again. It was fine. But that to me was like, yeah, this is a car I'm going to use every day. Mm. Uh, I don't want that to happen. No. Um, the other thing with the Range Rovers is you have to have, because of insurance, you have to have a steering lock. And I feel like the most unluxurious thing mm-hmm. is having to get a big heavy bit of metal and lock it over your steering wheel before and after using a car. Like, oh, have all the keyless entry you like, yep. which makes them really easy to steal. Yeah, um, But that, like... I only discovered this recently because of an, another friend of mine has uh, has put an order down for the new mm. full fat Range Rover, which looks very nice. Which looks amazing. Looks really cool. But they said, "Yeah, um, the only way I can get an insurance policy on this is if I have a steering lock in the car. Yeah, and if the car is stolen, or I think as as they worded it, when the car is stolen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if the police report then comes back and there's no evidence of a steering lock being in place, the insurance will not pay out. Yeah. How?" absurd is that when you can go into a luxury car dealership yeah like land rover say to them i want the best of the best long wheelbase with all the options ticked yeah range rover um hundred and something oh yeah I, 30, the price 40. of a house and um uh, oh and by the way sir you are going to have to put on this 50 pound steering lock from halfords in order for you to then do get... they include the steering lock I don't think so. They should they should throw that in. It'd have to be beautiful as well, wouldn't it? Like leather bound, just put it under encased. the raised bit of the boot. Like but this. this is the thing. I mean, but the fact that we're having to consider buying steering locks for a car that you that equals the value of most houses in the yeah. north of England, it's just like 
how is how has that become a thing? Why why are we celebrating keyless entry when it's clearly such a massively flawed bit yeah. of tech on every single mark that makes keyless cars? If you've got an attractive sporty Ford with keyless cars, keyless entry, it's going to get stolen. Audis, it's going to get stolen. Land Rover, it's going to get stolen. I just BMWs, all uh, all Christ, of them, yeah. all of them, yeah. all of them, and a lot of cars you can't unspec it. It's like, no, a, that's right. this is part of the stuff. And you're like, yeah. no, but I, I really, really seriously would pay not to have it. Yeah. It's a nice thing. Yeah. Um, one of my cars has got it. And it's actually quite convenient. I think it's more convenient for people without pockets. Is that, is that right? Mm. Is, it, is it more convenient? So the reason I say this is guys, this is general, I'm going to make a generalization <laughs> here. Guys generally probably put their car key in their pocket. So I don't think it's yeah. such a radical yeah. assumption. Yeah. Ladies probably put it in some sort of bag. Mm-hmm. So if you've tried to get something out of a bag that has a lot of things in it, mm. it's quite difficult to find. Mm. So it's much easier if you can just get in the car, put yeah. the bag in the passenger seat, off you go. Yeah. I can find it in my pocket. It's very yeah. easy, very yeah, easy yeah, to find. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I don't want it to stay in my pocket because mm-hmm. it's really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Most cars don't have anywhere to put it. Yeah. A very complete, convenient place to put it would be next to the steering wheel. Yeah. Almost, and, and possibly in turn. In a slot. In a slot. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But who is it? Like, was it Land Rover? It, which cars do you slot it in? Aston Martin, you slot it in. Yeah. But that, and then that is the push button. That's but right. there was a bunch of cars, I feel like, where you slot it in and then you press the start button. Uh, at which point, like, what game are we playing? There are a few like that. Um, and yeah, my brain is failing me. JLR? But- I'm not sure. There were, I'm trying to think. There are a car. I don't, there are a couple of Ferraris I've driven where you have to put, you have to insert the key into a certain bit, and you look at it going, but that that's there's nothing to receive. It's just resting. Oh, it doesn't in have there. to be there. It doesn't have. Oh, to be it doesn't there. have to be there. They, that, right. That's like a you can put your key here. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Had that in the Lusso. Lusso and the eight twelve. Right. Yeah. Keys, eh? <laughs> Weren't they great? <laughs> <laughs> Good chat. <laughs> now I know that we're drastically running out of time because we've got um, we've both got we've got any actual to topics do. to cover. I feel like we should probably start the podcast soon, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk me through the current garage. So F forty is gone. Yeah. You've just given a, a huge exclusive reveal on the Driven Chat podcast that you are uh, that you've now got a AMG. Yeah, it's, it's not estate. Yes, yes. E um, new shape E sixty three estate. I had a M three forty I touring, which was oh, brilliant. Right. Now I'm glad you say this. This is uh, uh, sorry, dear listener, this is gonna be completely self indulgent and selfish. I need a new company car. Are they really good? I would say in that class of vehicle, mm. so that size. Yeah. Um Was it the estate? Yeah, the estate. Yeah. I'm trying um, to talk my girlfriend into the fact that fast estates are cool. She doesn't get it. They are cool. They are cool. Thank you. you got, just try putting something in the boot. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. It's convenient to be able to do that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the M340i uh, handles reasonably well. They've got quite heavy, so, you know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But they're lighter-ish mm. than the bigger size, even if they're just a bit they're a bit smaller, so that makes them better. The um, 3 Series, the back end can come out. Yeah. Unlike the Audi, mm-hmm. the back end is not coming out in any of those Because it's cars. so four-wheel drive centric now well yeah well yeah and it's and they're actually the m340i is four-wheel drive but the x drive system yes. is rear wheel drive with front assistance sort of thing yep. and all the others are front with rear and they'll say yes you can chuck loads of power to the rear the reality is you can never chuck more power to the rear than there is at the front mm-hmm. so you can never get 
more than 50 50 yeah so you're never getting a big larry skids yeah uh i mean who does big larry skids on the road i don't know but not me you can if you want come out of a junction and apply some corrective lock yeah um tech's really great patch of diesel for example these yeah. things happen so, sometimes it just is to happen yeah. um yeah no, actually that is a really good car and in the boring sense, you can sit at 75 miles an hour and it will do 40 mpg. Mm. And it will also yeah. do 0 to 60 in three point something seconds. And the one you had, was it the B58 engine or was that? Because I know that's just come in. I think it's a relatively new one for all the M something 40Is. And now this B58, which is amazing, so incredible engine. It's, what is it? It's the M3, it's the M340 engine rather than the three. 40i yes so five series you can get 340 i 540i sorry yeah that is 330 something horsepower mm. and not that interesting especially in a five series because it's quite heavy yeah um the m340i is like 370 horsepower yeah and more torque um and makes a three series feel fast like it feels mm. genuinely fast mm. whereas the 540i apologies only 540i but it's not the same it's not the, the m 340 m40i versions mm. are significantly more powerful than the non m versions even though it's not an m car <laughs> yes we're getting a lot of bmw stuff there but but i i think that genuinely i think that is the nicest of that iteration in, in terms of value and all the things yeah um good bought an e-class it's bigger more space in the boot it has the biggest boot of its class excluding we sound like motoring journalists i know but this is the sort of thing when you're like i'm getting a family car that needs to have more space yeah, and i think yeah. a lot of people go okay um well i had a three series estate so i'm going to buy an x3 and they have the same they're yeah. marginally yeah. different but probably yeah. the same so they're like oh it looks bigger it should have a bigger boot yeah i got nerdy and looked them all up and the e-class has 120 <laughs> liters or something like basically any of the other ones mm-hmm. so like 5 series RS6 I love RS6 I think yeah. it looks super cool um, they actually have better sound insulation and better ride quality than the E-Class but the boot is 560 litres the E-Class is 640 litres versus 500 in the 3 series so it made no sense for mm-hmm. me to go bigger whatever anyway blah 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 blah. that's what I got um, very good so sensible like family 40, car yeah um Went through some Ferraris after the Ferrari. Um, tried the running an 812. Uh, worked out very well. Prices went up in the interim. I did 3,000 miles. Most of them in the wet. Was pretty interesting. Any gear. Any gear, 40 miles an hour, put your foot down, wheel spin. Really? Which is, when you're in like fourth or fifth, and yeah. it starts lighting up the wheels, <laughs> yeah. and you're not going very fast, yeah, yeah. and your wheels go from whatever it is, 40 miles an hour to 130 miles an hour in half a second because mm. it just keeps going in quite a, like a slightly numb platform. It's like a steering. It, it was cool. I didn't like, it sort of comes back a bit to the image thing. I didn't like driving around in that car. Then also found out I was going to have a baby. So you can't put four people in that. Nope. Brilliant. If there's two of you and you're going holiday because loads of boot space. Yeah, it's great for storage. Um, isn't it? Got out of that, got a Lusso, which was great. I cool. like that that became your family car. That was the family oh no, car. no, baby on the way, so better get a four-seater Ferrari. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had that and then my little little Peugeot. 
then got three series because that really was the family was coming on unless they mm. got three series uh those gone don't want a ferrari for a while definitely not as like a daily type thing mm-hmm. it's just not the image i want or I, I went to went to a wedding and someone was like oh you're the guy with the ferrari and i was like for some Brilliant. reason i was yeah. like nah nah that doesn't yeah not me and then uh recently got a 991.2 gts which is sort of like a daily-ish car. Nice. Um, I've now found I use the E63, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, more, slightly due to garage spacing and which car can get out easiest. But yeah, that's it. That's 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 pretty current, current state of the car. The cars, old 911 race car. Yeah. There we go. There we go. What that's happened to, what happened to the RS? Oh, it's in the garage. Sounds nice. Oh, it's, you still got it? Still got it. I wasn't sure. Ah. See, we should talk about that car very briefly. I know we've, we've probably got about six minutes left of... Best car in the world. Is it, that's it, isn't it? And I remember, so again, we're going to go back to Gumball very briefly, but after my three years of running the production for Gumball and the logistics for the, the actual event, the actual rally, um, it was the number one question I had from entrance all the time was, uh, if you could do the rally, what would you do it in? And I, all, without any hesitation, GT3 RS. No questions. Mm. everything I want a supercar to be everything I want a GT car to be yes I can sit in traffic in it and not feel like I'm overheating and my legs are going to fall off because the clutch is so heavy it's just so utterly brilliant so along came an out of the blue phone call in 2016 very beginning of 2016 and it was from the lovely people that are behind Team Galag and uh, I got on very well with Talal and Sultan and a few others in Team Galag whilst they were entrants on the rally. And I know that in a coincidental world, um, you did too, because, of course, you were taking photos for them mm-hmm. on the rally as their official photographer. Uh, and, yeah, along came this phone call saying, um, right, uh, I know, I think the question was um, from Talal uh, in the beginning of 2013, are you planning on doing the rally this year in 2016? I was like, ah, see, that's... Uh, a lovely question to be asked, but I, um, funnily enough, can't afford the £40,000 required uh, to, yeah. uh, to be an entrant on the rally. Um, and then I think there were a couple of phone calls here and there, back and forth. And the next thing I know, it was a call saying, um, actually, we'll fund that. You can come yeah. along. Um, see, have a think about um, a co-driver, a car. And I think you were having the same conversations with them at the same time. And then next thing I know, I think I was stood in Waterloo train station about to get the train back home to Wimbledon. And you and I were on the phone to each other going, cool, yeah, so should we just do the rally in my GT3 RS? And I was like, Mm. well, that's worked out rather well. (laughs) (laughs) Because um, suddenly it was all coming together. That was a weird experience for me doing the rally as as an entrant for the first time. It was a bit like seeing... Um, a theatre production I assume that you've been a director of for years and years and years and suddenly there's a new director and you're sat in the audience watching the show that you know going ha huh. so I think with the first few days I was I was in a bit of a weird mood of like this is really weird but what a thing to do yeah and it was for me it was very I mean it was super cool it was super cool the guys were basically like um, I think on the run up to the rally as at every year it'd be like I'd be speaking to someone from Gumball HQ being like do you want me to do the rally mm. like yay nay i need to know yeah if i'm quite keen to do it but if if you don't want me to do it then i'll try and work out some other way of me doing it and if that's not gonna happen i'm not gonna do it whatever yeah and it was all it's always like ridiculously last minute they're like oh yeah on the tuesday before do you want to do the rally like we'd really love you to do the rally like you could have told me this i don't know some time ago (laughs) um so we'd got to the point where i didn't know what was happening and i was speaking to talao and and I was like, he's like, are you doing a rally? I was like, I'm 
I'm, no, I'm not doing the running. Um, and I said, do you want me to come along and take some photos? And I don't know, we can, I can get someone else and we can drive a support car and maybe carry some luggage or, yeah. or something. And he was like, mm, okay. Um, and then he called me back and was like, Sam, do you want to do the rally? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, ring up and ask if they've got a spare space. <laughs> oh okay sure and he's like and then and then if they say yes then 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 we'll do it what yeah what um so i mean amazingly generous they yeah. paid for my entrance ticket yeah and i did it in a very odd situation which was as an entrance and 100 percent, they were just like look we just want you to come along mm. uh bring a car whatever you pay for your own fuel and things and whatever but we'll pay, we'll pay your entrance fee and and if you want to take some photos, take some photos. If you don't want to take some photos, don't take some photos. Like, Bloody hell, this is a sweet deal. <laughs> so obviously I was like, yeah, obviously I'm going to take some photos. I'm going to document the journey, etc. Yeah. So as an entrant, but also doing it, covering, wanting to really cover the yeah. rally. Yeah. It's um, like muscle memory, isn't it? You, you've always been there yeah. in that environment to work like I was. And it was like, suddenly it was like, oh, we, we're just here to enjoy it. That's yeah. weird. And I didn't, I did not know how to do the... At that point, I'd not solely driven it or driven in a mm. one car with one other person for, and been putting out content. And that those two are horrific as a thing to do together because mm-hmm. like the driving messes you up, but then try and be on it, like on it to capturing stuff and editing and blah, 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 all the same time. So you have no no hours left of the day anyway, either, you know, Crimea River, etc. But <laughs> it, it was very cool. The GT3 did very well i wouldn't really want to do it and it was it was the perfect car perfect time for me yeah. um and we ended up on the other side of the world um in romania yeah in in a gt3 rs and then after the rally because i think you you probably went home at that point i had to get back for actual work yeah 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 we, um, the guys were like should we just drive home yeah what they they didn't want they didn't want to hang around oh i remember now i got as far as vienna okay and then there was something something was happening back home with a with an actual proper job and i was like i i I do need to go i think at that point i'd started at car throttle so i i needed to get back to the office the actual office job so yeah i I waved goodbye to you all in vienna but you carried on didn't you and that was the start of Possibly not the start, but it might have happened the year before of basically the road trip after the road trip. Yeah. Bloody hell. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's drive 3,000 miles and let's drive another 3,000 miles <laughs> without a break in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, it was cool. I, I think endlessly chatting about cars and I, I love talking about cars, but yeah. talking about my own cars, I get a bit bored after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if the opportunity came up again, let's say somebody was listening, going, "Oh God, let's get these guys back on the rally." Do you think, other than the GT3 RS, what else could you think of? Because I I struggle with this. I really don't know. Maybe a Speciali because of that kind of all round brilliance of it being an amazing driving car, but you can also drive it on the road. One thing the Porsches do, and the modern Ferraris are super reliable, so I wouldn't. That's not a problem. Mm. Um, is luggage space. Yeah. So you course. get the behind the seats luggage space. Yeah. And as long as it's a squishy bag to push yeah. through the cage. I think if I was to do Gumball now, because I would still want to take photos and stuff. Yeah. It's it's really boring driving. Like it's, it's it is, 14 yeah. hours on a motorway. Yeah. yeah. So what is a car that excels on the motorway? And like if you could if you could give me four people, something like E sixty three estate, or I think Tim One Year took an apt 
RS6, something yeah, like that would yeah. do really well. And I would want four people. So you're like a phantom with mm. four people in it. Oof. Oh, that'd be good. Cullinan. Or is that a bit too... Yeah, yeah okay, why not? Like, if you're going... <laughs> I, I think if I'm stretching to doing it in a phantom, I could do it in a Cullinan. If, if someone... If we could somehow get the car from somewhere. But basically, exceptionally comfy. But yeah. I, I have no desire whatsoever. Some people flew between various yeah, venues. that's right, yeah. Um, and that... If I was going like, right, I'll be at the start, I'll be somewhere in the middle yeah. and I'll be at the end and then like stuff the middle bit. I couldn't care less about driving down a motorway mm. for, for 3,000 miles in a week is too it's a lot of long. Yeah. And I would, I would way rather do a road trip with four cars, mm. five cars, like ones we've done since, go to Sweden. Like yeah. go and do something fun where you've got some actual fun driving and you've got dinner with your mates mm. in the evening. There's no one else. There's no just like yeah. other rubbish. And then spread it out so you've only got two hours driving, lunch, two hours driving. Mm. No more. You don't get any more enjoyment out of four yeah. hours driving. I think that's why Team Galag then came along with their own trips, isn't it? And we've both been lucky enough to do yeah. a fair few of those. Yeah, I've done a few of those. Those amazing guys. For exactly that reason, it's like, yeah, it, Gumball is exciting and it is very glamorous and very glitzy to do, but it's not a driving holiday. It's not a road trip with your mates where you can recap on an amazing day of driving because you are literally getting out of bed going, oh God, forcing some eggs down your throat and then driving, as you say, for four or five hours nonstop yeah. down a motorway. I think uh, a very good one would be plonk yourself somewhere in the middle of europe like alpsesk and yeah. do just sort of in that middle bit of whatever austria switzerland italy mm. france and just kind of like hop between crazy alpine locations yeah. that that would be a very good couple of days and probably some nice chilled restaurants and stuff in the middle yeah but snow has to be a bit of snow doesn't snow it? is the best yeah just an ice lake <laughs> <laughs> or, or ice snow covered roads Right, what we'll do is we'll find ourselves a pub at some point in the very near future. We'll plan this and make this happen because that sounds like fun. We should get the Galag guys back together and do it. Yeah, I think there's... I now think that there's the world is back to... Happening. Able to happen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's being talked about. Uh, right, Sam, I realise we've now been going on for an hour and 46 minutes and 20 oh, nice, seconds. Oh, nice. Nice. So not we've, actually, um, and we've not really covered any relevant or <laughs> particularly interesting car topics. No. Um, uh, have you driven this thing? No, you won't have driven no, this thing. No, I haven't thing. driven have you, the have um, Super 3 that uh, Sam has just pulled out of a box. Bit of a uh, Mr. Trick there, Morgan, when they sent this out to people, because that, um, are you aware of what that is, that sculpture? As in not just the fact that it's three. a Super 3. Uh, who made it? Uh, no. No, they didn't put it anywhere. On. That was not me dropping it. Uh, it's, uh, it's made by Johnny Ambrose, the sculptor. Quite oh, really? a famous car sculptor. And oh, nice. uh, yeah, Morgan gave them out to everybody that attended the event and then sent them out to people that didn't attend the event yeah. but forgot to say this is actually quite a significant thing. It's really cool. Uh, it's but yeah, really, really cool. No, no, but I've been promised a go on the launch. So um, yeah, I don't know when that is. but uh, it, This summer sometime. thought that was a very cool, cool thing. Yeah, Super 3. I know you probably want to wrap this up. Let me give you some questions. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I'm in no rush. I've got to be in a radio studio at about three, but, um, you know... What time is it? <laughs> One o'clock. Yeah, yeah, you've got, got a bit of time. Um, <laughs> this, this is the thing when you have a podcast, you're like, it's really weird to get asked stuff. Yeah, I bet. You're like, well, I just, I quite like asking other people. Um, I've just realised I've looked over there and I have a little box of, like, miniature versions of cars. Yeah. And it's normally, I have, there's four spaces, which is normally the four current current road cars yeah and it's not it's not up to date it's 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 sadly lacking only one of oh no two of the cars you've still got i've, I've got uh three 
three. Little Peugeot. Oh, you got the Peugeot stuff. Old nine eleven G three RS, mm. and then that's replaced. But um, what's the, uh, I'll give you some of my. This oh, is a okay. question from my guest. Most interesting car to you at the moment, uh, as in just out now on the road. Oh, I don't know. You can buy or uh, not buy. Used, M- new, old. Oh, blimey! In the future, uh, for new car M five CS. Interesting. I just think it is such a masterpiece of a car. I drove. I haven't. It's, it's a slightly mad thing to say because I've not driven a CS, but I had the M5 competition as a press loan for a week, and it just blew me away. I, I cannot think of another car as a big four seater family car that could do every all the things that an M5 could do. It's just so brilliant. And the CS from the journo friends that I have that have driven one for a long time, they all say. Yeah, imagine that, but even better, even faster, even more engaging. And the things I've picked up is one of the things that they said is the suspension has sort of got better. Mm-hmm. It's not got more hardcore, it's got better. Yeah. Because um, I've driven an M5 and I thought actually it's hampered by this thing, sort of thing we were talking about before where you ask a car to do too many things. Mm-hmm. So all these cars, E63, M5, whatever, they need to be able to do 200 miles an hour down an autobahn. Yep. Go around the Nürburgring. Yep. I think if you removed that that little thing mm. from those cars and went actually they only need to do 130 miles an hour because mm-hmm. um, you're probably not going to go faster than that they don't need to go around a track so let's make them comfy like like mm. genuinely comfy because I feel like the M5 is quite stiff mm-hmm. in Europe I'm sure it's perfect yeah but here yeah. it's actually kind of stiff yeah and it's a family you know it's a family whatever motorway cruiser mm-hmm mooch around but with a stupid engine in it and you can kind of drive it quickly it needs more compliance yeah yeah no I get that but okay. cool it's a cool car yeah and the CS sounds really cool although they've even gone further and gone it's a really stupid but large exec wagon except it's got loads of bucket seats in it <laughs> like it's, it's cool it's really cool yeah. I would like to drive one yeah yeah, well, if I get one, I'll let you know. I'll come down and we can go for a little rip somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm game for that. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's that's it on a new car front. Um, I mean, you know, my love for Porsche products as well, GT3s, I just think are so fantastic. Um, 997 GT2, I think, is probably one of the bucket list cars for me. as a car that will do ridiculous GT2. things. GT2. Interesting. Um, I just love the way that car looks as well. You know, just like all the radicalness of the GT3 RS, but still kind of soft. I know there is an RS version. Yeah, quite underloved. Yeah. 997 GT2. Um, but it's still cool ludicrously priced because you compare it to GT3 cool. prices and it's like, oh. Is it? Yeah, so much more. Is it? Yeah. Look at the prices now. Let me get up on Auto Trader. So I'll get a uh, GT2. Because GT2 RS, yes, yes. Mm. Very, very expensive. No, even the um, this is such such great audio, isn't it? Me searching for yeah, 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 quickly, rapidly, um, googling prices <laughs> of auto Oh God, my five G is being it's not realised. I've turned it back on. Right there we go. Right, we'll you there. look at GT twos. I'll look at GT threes. Uh, Porsche, please hold the line. Porsche uh, or Porsche? Porsche. Now, as a podcast ho- uh, host, hope, hope, a hopeful, hope, host. hopeful. Yeah. Um, I realise I have to say Porsche more, um, and I've just—it's just one of those things you just grow up saying Porsche, and you're like, oh. so you've I have done to say both. Are you on nine nine seven GT? I'm on nine eleven. You said GT two. Right, I'll do the GT two then. Nine nine seven GT two. Nine nine seven GT two. I reckon 
9972 is like 120. <laughs> no. Interesting. No. The lowest price uh, is £169,990, <laughs> but that creeps up. Um, so this is, yeah, again, GT2, non RS, G- 911, 3.6, 997, GT2, uh, £199,995. £200,000. Wow. Yeah. Not in, t- I guess it's just less of them on the road, therefore they warrant a bit more of a. I feel like people are chancing on this. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. I always like jumping over to collecting cars and seeing what things have sold for recently as a good yeah. scope for actually yeah, yeah, what yeah. things are selling for. Because, yeah, we all like to think our cars are worth a certain value. But again, so 170. So that that is... So that's GT3 RS mm. money. Maybe. I haven't even looked up a GT3 Like my generation of car. This is a, you know, a bit self-indulgent. <laughs> you but. might find that. Oh, blimey. I could, hang, hang on a minute. I, no, could, I could sell this. Well, they might have got 40,000 miles in it or whatever. And I thought, ah, you know, fine. maybe let's take it to 100. <laughs> I need to use it more. <laughs> it needs new ceramics, though. Oh, God. And, and I'm, Will I'm, you put ceramics back on, do you think? I think I will do... Uh, Isn't it like 14 grand? Five grand a corner. Yeah. Uh, for the PC... CMs or whatever you can get surface transforms which are another company which are a modern the more modern disc because mm. they sell them to like Koenigsegg and whatever you know they're made and designed for 2022 rather than a uh, 2010 okay. disc remade now um, they're half the price and you can resurface them okay five times or something and the resurfacing doesn't cost very much mm. so that is an, an ooh ooh <laughs> Gen 2, 997, Aqua Blue. Uh, 24,000 miles, £210,000. Jesus. There you go. What? Now, it's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely bonkers. The world's, There's another 180. The world's broken. That feels like more. Wow. There you go. There we go. Crazy cars are crazy priced. Yeah. Uh, one car to do it all. I don't know. Yeah. 991, but two GT3. And it's not as involving as 997s. Mm-hmm. It's a bit bigger, but whatever. Yeah. Were there any other? What are, you, what are your other usual go-to questions? Uh, if you could only drive one car for the rest of your life, <gasps> oh. and you're allowed something that costs five hundred pounds on the side. I oh, I like that. Uh, mm. Which nowadays is just I, like oh, a set of wheels. I know it's going to be really boring and safe, but I'd probably say the M5 because again, you've got the ability to do everything. Or then is that silly? Because if I've got five hundred quid. What can you buy a car for 500 quid anymore? That's yeah, the other question. It, when this podcast started three years ago, you could buy something for 500 pounds. Um, and, and actually, what I need is uh, Auto Alex. He needs to come on because he'll be like, mate, oh, I, God. I only need 500 pounds and I can get a five-car garage. That is true. That um, is true. And Alex makes me feel has, bad. Um, yes. There's, I did a podcast with Alex um, when he was exclusively Alex, Alex off of Car Throttle. And we shared the story about a, a free... TT that I ended up acquiring because mm. he'd essentially finished filming with it on a day that it ran out of MOT. They yeah. bought it for a, a nominal fee and then needed to get rid of it. And he happened to be filming with it down the road from where I lived and said, "She just want it." Uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy. How he manages to find cars so cheap, I, I don't know what his secret is, but it is hilarious. Yeah. Are you looking for five hundred pound cars? No, I'm just being working out what time. This actually has to end. Oh, well, that's um, fine, because, yeah. Pretty can, soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. What else do we do? Uh, best drive of your life. Um, 
like if you, you know what was your favorite road trip or Ooh. driving journey i did a trip with uh tim hutton in his 1976 sc and mm. we did it it was a tour with gt spirit hardcore, that was. it was a hardcore car yeah and it died um <laughs> as we boarded the boat back we did i think we went out four and a half five thousand miles Ooh. so we did a gt spirit tour uh which was very good the most germanic organized tour you can yeah. imagine imagine gumball but exclusively run by germans nice, it was nice. so efficient a good, good bunch everything was so efficient um and we did a bit of a road trip there via the nurburgring then started i think it was munich it started and ended in munich with all that lovely basically that circuit that you were mentioning yeah looping around the alps um austria northern italy france switzerland it was just gorgeous um yeah and then when we finished our trip um to munich i think we then did another trip on the way back and yeah and the it was a, a trip that was involved a little bit of fettling there was a bit of under the, under the bonnet uh, trickery that needed to be done every so often because it was it was an old 911 with no interior um, no interior no sound deadening Oof. um i was wearing the headphones i'm wearing now to um, okay, yeah. to be able to keep Survive. my sanity um <laughs> and uh yeah by the end of that yeah as i say we were driving back to the ferry which i can't remember where we where we sailed back from now st marlo or Khan or somewhere like that and um yeah the, the car started running a bit lumpy lumpy and grumpy uh, as we got off the ferry uh, I think we pushed it through passport control in Portsmouth. Nice. So nice. <laughs> it was that dead. Uh, we pushed it out of passport control. Um, yeah, out onto the onto the road, that famous the A27 down in Portsmouth or Southampton, whichever one it was. And um, uh, yeah, waited for our recovery to come along and pick us up. Nice. Yeah, we finished that trip in a Fiat 500 XL courtesy yeah. car. Uh, it was a, that was back to back to earth with a bump. Um, so yeah, that 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 particular trip sticks in my memory just because it was filled with so many bizarre stories, mm-hmm. uh, including driving the Grossglochner Pass uh, the first day of the GT Spirit tour. We'd all been out and had a few drinks the night before, but I think Tim and I had agreed I'd go easy on the drinks because, of course, yeah. one of us needs to be sober to drive in the morning. Tim had a few more than I had, let's say and um, was nursing the mother of all hangovers the next day, which, of course, when you're then in the passenger seat of a 1976 <laughs> Porsche 911 racing car uh, on the Grossglockner Pass, and I'm like, oh, my God, Grossglockner Pass, I'm going to drive this brilliantly, and poor old Tim's in the passenger seat going, <laughs> a lot of heavy breathing. The passenger window didn't open either. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it was just, ah, oh, yeah. But, yeah, the, for the good and the bad reasons, that was hilarious. Ah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, and then the last, the last one, which has actually been the bane of my life because I've pretty much asked someone this question once a week for the last two years. Mm. What's your five car garage? Which makes me think about my own bloody five car garage. Um, and then I'm like, oh, well, actually reasonably I have some means, so I should change these things. But what would be your five car unlimited, unlimited funds of our garage? Uh, they'd have to be an F40 just because okay. it is the ch- the childhood poster car mm-hmm. for me. Uh, a bit of modern day reliability, usability, I'd probably go for a new Defender, uh, simply because it'll do everything I need a car to do. Not a Wayne Rover. I can't, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, 110 or 90? I quite like the idea of a 90. I don't necessarily need the four doors. Yeah. Although the 130 is a practicality. Car, isn't it? Yeah. Fair enough. They look cool. They look cool. On steels. And they, you know, they drive really well. I hated the old Defender. Just didn't work as a car for me at all. I don't get the hype at all. Uh, the new one, I think, is brilliant. Um, 
there'd have to be some sort of classic BMW M mm. variant uh, M3 CSL E46, yeah. just so brilliant, the most insane noise. Uh, and a car that if you wanted to go and do a track day, you could drive it to the track day without having to yep. trailer it with your Defender. Um, I've genuinely never thought about this. Um, but, but, two but, more. Two more. I would go for um, something amazing, beautiful, classic. I would go for a 250 short wheelbase Ferrari. Mm. Beautiful V12 noises. Maybe not even a Ferrari one. Maybe a GTO engineering car. Just because I think we've both been lucky enough to drive, um, drive those. And they are just so brilliantly put together. Um, all of the amazingness of a classic Ferrari without the unreliability of a classic I Ferrari. I don't know whether it will happen now. I presume sure. it will happen. I would love to drive their... Squallow. Squallow. Yeah. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, I think it's all, all systems go. Obviously, we lost Mark Lyon, which was incredibly yeah. sad. And, um, yeah, both of us have been fortunate enough to, to work with Mark. And, and that was I was really quite shocked. I think like everyone was. He was only in his 50s, which was just tremendously too young to die um yeah. but yeah mark has put Very a lot cool, of dude. time and effort into his amazing cars and the squallow is what's coming next so as far as i'm aware i'll, I'll speak to hannah and the team soon to, to find out what's going on because i'm sure they're going to want to go full steam ahead it's what mark would have wanted so yeah hopefully that will come along so that could be that that's that could be yeah. the uh, the uh, the dream uh, the dream one um oh gosh i've still got, uh, got one more one more okay um bum, 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 bum. you having like a track car or a race car or racing car that's probably not a bad shout is it uh best racing car in the world maybe again a bit of a curveball ah okay no money no object um completely ridiculous um un- just for all the all the wrong reasons uh 787b mazda le mans car <laughs> <laughs> Because it's the best sounding car. I will fight anyone to the death. It is the best sounding racing car. I must caveat that. The best sounding racing car in the world, bar none. If, for whatever reason, you're sat at home going, what? A, a Mazda what? Mazda 787B, because this podcast is about to finish, so you can go and do this now. Look it up on YouTube and just enjoy put a decent set of headphones on plug it into a decent set of speakers it is a mesmerizing sound four rotor rotary vankel engine it is a master revving to a lot it's like 16,000 rpm or something yeah. ridiculous. oh it's just i don't think they work sings. that well oh no they're awful but it's the only rotary engine to win le mans um wasn't there like some really funny caveats around it actually winning everything Maybe. else broke down or something well i won't take it away from them. it's it's an, i you think it's a right, very actually, tall car yeah. And it yeah. sounds unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. And in this unlimited value, whatever, like people are getting it running. Like it's going to work. Yeah, you've got a team. You've yeah. got a team. You've I got think a backup car for spares. One of the videos you'll see on YouTube, I think it's Martin Brundle. I think I might have got that completely wrong. But I think he's driving one at the Circuit de la Salle at Le Mans mm. on the full 24-hour yeah. route. And Old there's school. some on, onboard cameras. There's some external cameras. Yeah, it just fill your ears with that. So there we go. That's a good like song to to see it off. Yeah, yeah. We will let you finish your day with the sounds of a seven eight seven B. But yeah, maybe if Tom's feeling really creative, our audio producer, he can somehow loop the sound in now.
Yeah. Well done, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope, not doing that. I'm just going to cut <laughs> yeah, it. Either, yeah, either you've not heard any of this or Tom's done something amazing. But yeah, if anyone's made it to the end, um, yeah, I do have a podcast and it, it's not talking about me. It's actually interviewing guests about yeah. what they do. It's um, basically the opposite of what's been happening today. Yeah, isn't with it? the odd commentary on yeah. my me putting things together that may be correct, may not be correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, so have do find Sam. And on Instagram, you are... Sam, I'm, I'm Sam Moore's photo on Instagram. I would I'd love to have changed that to Sam Moore's at some point, but it, it, I'm Sam, Sam Moore's photo. Someone does, and they're about, they're about well, the last time I looked, they were about eight, uh, and um, they didn't hadn't used their account in uh, like four years. You need to um, find somebody. At, there is a way of doing this. You need to find a person at, in fact, I can, off air, I'll, I'll tell you how to do but it. But I don't know whether I would ever actually do the, the swap now. But yeah, I'm basically Sam Moores. If you Google Sam Moores, I'm on YouTube. <laughs> I do occasional, occasional video uh, on my cars or if I'm driving oh, other interesting God, cars. I didn't even talk about YouTube either. But um, may, most of the time I do a show pretty much once a week, which is a long form interview, generally all one to two hours of bambling on with uh, actually quite interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, that's what I often say about the Driven Chat podcast, and especially when it's just me hosting it solo, because occasionally there's a few of us hosting. It's me and Amy, or me and Andy, mm. or, or or one of the other two. And uh, yeah, my my saving caveat is, yeah, I do I, I do a weekly podcast, but uh, fortunately, it often features somebody who's far more interesting than me, <laughs> yeah. as it has this week. Uh, um, have you had it where you'd be like some early days? Okay, I really think he wraps up, but um, it'd be like, Sam, can you just stop talking, please? And I'm like, well, come on, it is my podcast. But that is something you do learn. I did learn early on. It's like, you know, it's about letting the guests talk. It is about the guest. Yeah, yeah. Although I do feel like this week has been a, a, a quite a two-way thing, but I think that's just because well, that's of us. We know each other and we've done some of the things together. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, we, we missed out quite a lot. Um, perhaps we'll do another one of these in, yeah. in, in the future and we'll talk about YouTube and things because, uh, yeah. That's the fun. So yeah, go and find uh, Sam's podcast in all the usual podcast places. Yeah. Uh, chances are, if you listen to this, you will have already seen Sam's or heard Sam's. Uh, a bit like I said when talking to Richard Porter, um, it's a bit seems a bit daft saying, "Oh, and by the way, Richard has a podcast." Oh, by the way, Sam has it's, a podcast. It's quite good because none of the audiences are you know they're, they're decent size, but they're mm. not like YouTube bazillion no. views numbers. So there is a very serious possibility you may not have listened to uh, the other people's. Mm. Uh, but do Sam's is good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that leaves me to say, dear listener, thank you so much for your company this week. I do believe this is our longest ever podcast. Uh, yeah. I thought that might be the case. Um, but thank you very much for listening. If you have made it this far, then that is incredible. Uh, do. Um, if you're feeling really quite particularly generous, feel free to pop on to the old review section and write some nice words about how you've thoroughly enjoyed this week's conversation. Uh, and don't forget, also share this with a friend, because, of course, the more people that we have listening means the more we can do with fun things and adventures and talk to interesting people. Uh, it is amazing to have you with us. It's amazing to uh, have people that do consistently listen right the way through to the end. Uh, people like People like you. Uh, so uh, thanks so much. Um, I will be back in your ears next week with another episode. I promise to try for the third week in a row uh, or for the fourth week, as it will be, to not mention Ferrari F40s, as I have done for the past three weeks. Uh, we'll try and focus on something completely, completely different, but still quite interesting. Sam, thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I will uh, see you soon. Sweet. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> the end. The end.
now. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.